right. Welcome back, everybody. Happy Thursday to all of you on 600 ESPN El Paso. Along with Mr. Adrian Broaddus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Good to have you here. 600 ESPN El Paso. That's our station. Our telephone number is 505-6009. 505-6009. What a show it's going to be today. We're going to talk to one of El Paso's new head football coaches in the bottom of the hour. Adrian, I'm excited about that because, once again, we started this uh, a few days ago, and now we're going to keep this uh, moving with uh, Noe Robles out there at America's. However, how about the fact that Burgess is now open? That's a big shock. Uh, a big shout-out to somebody who's been so nice to us and their head coach, James Neal Rutledge. He is now moving up into an assistant athletic director role in EPISD. Uh, we got to bring Coach Rutledge on the show. He's been with us uh, plenty of times, most recently to talk about Tavoris Jones, uh, you know, when his recruiting really heated up and just talking about his standout player for the Mustangs. But, man, Burgess was so successful under Coach Rutledge over the years. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's going to be... Be sad to see him go, and that job will be really interesting to see who ends up taking it. But uh, to go back on who we're bringing on to the show today uh, in our series of what we've been doing over the past couple weeks, bringing on some new head coaches here in the local area who've recently been hired, and Noe Robles, who coached probably the best unit on all the city, the East Lake defense that we saw this past year, and uh, now he's getting promoted to being a head coach and moving schools, going to Americas, and uh, this will be an interesting hire to see how he does in six A high profile job at America's huge job there's been there's some great talent out there most notably right now uh their quarterback Mark Moore he has several division one offers right now and uh has a lot of interest from other division one teams so uh yeah this this is a highly coveted job right there and they've got some good talent out at America's they sure do so we'll do that coming up bottom of the hour five four five twenty today it's going to be Jeff Erickson a little fantasy talk with Jeff get his thoughts on the two championship games all the baseball news this offseason. There's been a ton of stuff. My God, a lot of deals. How about Daryl Hernaiz today getting dealt to Oakland? I like this trade for the uh, former America. Speaking of Americas, the former America's baseball star. Listen, there are so many middle infielders in the Baltimore organization led by Gunnar Henderson and, and all the way up from there, down from there, that Daryl Hernaiz was going to have a tough time in, uh, you know, in, in the Baltimore uh, Orioles organization because it's so stacked with middle infielders. Joey Ortiz. There's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. He goes to Oakland. And by the way, how valuable is Hernaiz? They traded Cole Irvin and a prospect for him. Cole Irvin is in the rotation. So you're telling me that Oakland values Hernaiz so much that they were willing to deal away one of their veteran starters in their rotation to Baltimore along with another prospect in order to gain Hernaiz. I love this trade for El Paso, and this gives, this tells me that the A's really, really see Hernaiz as a future, um, a future star for them if they're going to deal away a big league uh, starter uh, for a prospect. 
You know, uh, Daryl Hernaiz joined us as soon as he was taken in the fifth round of the 2019 draft, which we really appreciated at the time. Uh, and it's so interesting to see his rise since then, since he was really taken. He hit 273 with 12 home runs, 62 RBIs, and 32 stolen bases this past year. Uh, a great season in which, you know, uh, you saw this past year him jump from single A to double A and, uh, yeah, just rising among the infielders. I'm curious to see how, what his path to playing looks like in Oakland now that this trade has been made. And uh, yeah, we got to bring Daryl back on to the show. He was so nice w- uh, with his all his time when he uh, spent time with us earlier. Uh, you know, when he was first taken in the draft. Maybe we should bring him back, Steve, and talk to him about this one uh, moving to Oakland once he's a little settled in. Yeah, I'm excited for him. I, I really am. I think it's going to be a good opportunity now going in uh, to uh, the A's. Listen, the A's have always valued prospects. Always. And that's all the, the, you know, the original Moneyball philosophy from the A's organization, Billy Bean, and now Hernaiz is a guy that in a couple of years could have an opportunity to, uh, to make a name for himself in the infield of the Oakland A's. Only 21 years old. That's another thing I really like for Daryl Hernaiz. Uh, had many opportunities. When, when I mean, this is uh, one of the things I remember when we had our discussion back with him. He had a lot of opportunities to go Division One. I. I think the most notable one that he had under his belt was Texas Tech, uh, saying that they would you know pretty much throw him on the field right away and he'd be playing immediately if he chose the college route. But this is an example, Steve. Uh, maybe some of the more rare examples of when a player leaves and gets drafted out of high school and then now moves up the ranks mm-hmm. to try to see where he can go as far as a path to success in the ma- in, in the bigs. Keith Law, one of the better uh, prospect uh, analysts in the business for The Athletic now, uh, did say today that he is a big Hernaiz fan and likes the fact that he's going to be uh, going to the Oakland Athletics organization. So I'm excited for this trade. And it also means that Hernaiz gets to now uh, move from Florida to Phoenix where he can enjoy spring training. Yeah, Closer to true. home. Yeah, very true. A lot of El Pasoans who make that trip uh, year after year will get a chance to see Hernaiz. Uh, might get a chance to see him. And uh, I think that's all. I mean, I'm just really happy for him going to Oakland, getting a chance, maybe a better path to playing. And uh, yep. for Hernaiz, uh, somebody who also, we talked about Cody yesterday, another Cody Decker mention. He was under uh, the program with Cody Decker yes, he was. A- as well. And, and he's uh means a lot to the youth here in El Paso, holding camps and, you know, just being uh, very accessible to a lot of these youth members trying to progress in the sport of baseball. So that's one of the the deals that went down today and again we'll talk uh we'll talk some fantasy later on with uh jeff erickson when he joins us uh, coming up here in our five o'clock hour and then lane frank is back in six and we're going to talk championship weekend with lane get his thoughts sadly enough lane went three and one but part of the three and one was picking against his giants and he was right you know he picked think about it he picked philadelphia and that's exactly how it went down. He was right. Uh, he did not pick with his heart. In fact, I no. ran into him during that Giants-Eagles game. He was at the UTEP basketball game, Oof. and uh, he came down. And he was talking to me. He was like, how bad is it right now, Adrian? I was like, it's really bad. And so, and he's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not even watching it right now. So he chose, hey, he chose UTEP basketball over watching the Giants get killed in that matchup. I give him a lot of credit for that. He could have said, you know, I'm staying home. Big blue all the way. But instead, he was there at the Haskins Center Saturday night. Good for Lane. It may, you know what? I'm not trying to call him out or anything, but it may have been a on-the-whim decision. We'll find out today for sure, but maybe that was on a whim. Like They started getting killed, and he was like, oh, I'll go. I'll go, in the game. I'll go to the game. He knew. 
He knew. He think he uh, he was just like, no, nah, I'm staying. I'm staying away from this game. I know it's going to be bad. Or maybe he just wanted to watch the UTEP game because he was curious to see how you know FAU and how that would go. That's true. He's also a big college basketball guy. We he forget is. that. So he might have just wanted to watch the Owls of FAU and and start to make uh, some early Cinderella predictions for them going into the tournament if they make it that far. I hope you watched that Xavier UConn game yesterday. That was awesome. That yeah. was absolutely awesome. And I was hoping, I was really thinking Jans and Mississippi State was going to knock off Alabama last night. They had a lead going into like the last five minutes, but then Alabama took over. Mississippi State couldn't uh, get it done. Another SEC loss for Mississippi State that at one point was top 25 ranked. Looked like Jans was, was working his magic. And then all of a sudden they go into the league and next thing you know, the bottom falls out. They were 11-1 and one at one point this season, Steve. And since then, uh, you could just look at it right there. They've lost uh, nine of their last or eight of their last nine games. Now 12-8, and 1-7 and seven in SEC play. The only team they beat in the SEC was Ole Miss. So yep, uh, very disappointing uh, start to conference play for Chris Jans. Uh, and the Bulldogs. We can talk college hoops with you. No UTEP game tonight. They won't play till Saturday against North Texas. So no game tonight. Saturday for the Miners. Uh, we'll have it for you. 600 ESPN will pass. So you're home for UTEP hoops. Women are playing 1 o'clock on Saturday. That's their 9-1-5 game. Does that mean they're going to try to sell it out? Is that the idea of what a 9-1? What is a 9-1-5 game for the UTEP women? What does that I, mean? I don't know. I, I have not read uh, the program to it. I'm sure that would give us some insight as to what it is, but I have not I have not dug into this one as to what the promotions are. All I saw was an ad on the social media campaign for UTEP women's basketball where it said it's our 9-1-5 game. And I'm looking at it. There's like a – they came out with a um, – you know, a 50-second commercial where they got all these UTEP players in downtown El Paso. It's really a well-done, well-done shot piece. I, I like it a lot. And it shows them essentially, like, doing the 915 while they're out there in downtown El Paso, kind of checking out all the sites in their orange UTEP basketball jerseys. There's three of them, actually. And... Um, it's really a, it's a good piece. I like it. They did a nice job with it. Um, and, you know, credit UTEP for that. Now, once again, what does this mean? I, I, I don't know. That's the best part. Um, we know that it, it's the 915 game. We just don't know what the 915 game really is. So. Yeah, I mean, I know next week is uh, National Women in Sports Day, which is something that we've uh, talked about a lot here on this show over the years, and uh, that's that's a, a really good celebratory day. But I'm not sure about the incentive this weekend, mm. other than uh, just you know showing uh, city pride or I something like that. I think that I think that's what it is. Maybe Kevin Baker can can clue us in on what the 915 game is. Let's hear from him. Hey, minor fans, this is Kevin Baker, UTEP women's basketball head coach. Our team is currently in second place in Conference USA. This weekend is our 9-1-5 game, and we're looking forward to our biggest home crowd of the season. We're hosting North Texas Saturday at 1 p.m. If you haven't had a chance to watch us play, come on out. I guarantee you're going to have a great time, and you're going to want to come back. Tickets start at just $8, or bring a group of 10 or more and pay only $5 a ticket. So make plans. Join us at the Haskins Center Saturday, 1 o'clock. Visit utepminers.com or call 747-UTEP for tickets. We appreciate your support 
Help us pack the Haskins Center for our 915 game. Picks up and go Miners. So that's what it is. It's a uh, game in which they're just looking for their biggest crowd of the season. We got lines ringing in, by the way. Thank you for the phone calls. Maybe they were going to clue us in on what this means, what the 915 game is. And I guess the deal is $8 tickets, a group of 10, five bucks each. So what? $50 for 10 people. It's actually a really good deal. Like if you've got a, you know, a, a group and, and you want to just come in and, and, and get a, a, a nice inexpensive ticket to go watch the women, that's a good deal too. So, but it is kind of interesting when they're like talking about the 915 game and, and we don't even know what that is. Right, yeah. Well, I, I mean, hey, I appreciate the uh, incentive. Anytime you get to tie in the 915 to a game, why not, and celebrate it. And this is a big one for the Miners. They're second place. They need to keep it going, especially at home. Yeah, I agree with you. So uh, that's good. We'll have uh, players uh, from the team coming on tomorrow uh, in the 6 o'clock hour. We're excited about that. Hey, but let's take a call before we go to Charlie 1. Eddie is going to kick us off here on this um, Thursday edition of the program, quarter past, as Sports Talk gets started. What's going on, Eddie? Hey, so I've been sucked into this series uh, that they've been showing all the Royal Rumbles from way back when, right? And that's where I got sucked into it. And so I've been watching all the Royal Rumbles like year after year after year from the, I started in 80 and now I'm in the mid nineties. And I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on the Royal Rumble? How's it been? You know, I know you're a WWE fan. I know you follow. So I just want to hear your thoughts because they, you know, the, the, the reading that I just finished with here on SI, I think this is SI.com. They're talking about how the Royal Rumble kind of, it takes the next six months of the WWE leading up to the WrestleMania. Well, first off, congratulations for spending uh, the, uh, who knows how many countless hours watching Royal Rumbles. I mean, that is a too many. That is a great way to occupy your time on Peacock Network. So that is good. The fact that you're you're doing that is terrific. Um, and, and you know, I mean, no knock to uh, you know the nine one five game on Saturday afternoon, but this is the Rumble we're talking about here. I I, I get the priorities for you, uh, Eddie. Listen, um, here's the beauty of the Rumble. Okay, they always bring people that nobody has seen in years. Now, it might yes. be either um, wrestlers from the from the uh, other roster, their NXT development roster. It could be people that haven't put on and laced boots in years, and they show up again and 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 like a nostalgia tour. Um, the rumor is the Rock is coming, and the Rock is going to wow. win the Rumble. And The Rock is going to challenge Roman Reigns at WrestleMania in Hollywood. Now, I hope that still holds up. I don't know if it is or not, but because it's California, he's got his show, Young Rock. He is related to Roman Reigns, and there could be a real type of battle over who is truly the head of the table. That would be phenomenal. They've been talking about that for over a year now. So I really hope that's what happens when it's all said and done. Yeah, you know, and and this has really kind of brought back a little bit of a spark into the WWE because I used to be big time into it, just like you guys, you know, especially growing up. And, uh, um, you know, from the 90s, I remember all those ones. Steve, do you have a favorite uh, year or, I guess, era of... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Give me, 80, <laughs> give me like uh, 85, 86 when Gorilla and Jesse the Body Ventura were calling Dude. matches together. That's my, that's my sweet <laughs> yes. spot right there. That is my sweet spot. So. And that's what, like I said, that's what I really got sucked into it on Peacock. Because yep. I was yep. just like, wow, oh my God, I remember these guys. I remember so, this. And then. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to give you a little hint before I have to get to a break. Okay. So you need to go to what they call WWE classic on, uh, on the app 
And what they've done is they've taken all these televised house shows from the 70s through the 90s, and they've got them chronicled by year. And if you go to the mid-80s, all these shows from Madison Square Garden, the Boston Garden are there. And it's the full two-and-a-half-hour show. Like, it's not a a condensed version. It's exactly the way it aired on Nesson and MSG. And it is as good as it gets. (laughs) To me, it's like my childhood is brought back on these old shows. I got Lou Romano hooked on it and he started watching it. And the scary thing is is that once you go down that, you know, down that path, you can't climb out of the rabbit hole for a while. So, if you think you've got like Royal Rumble fever, just go to the old uh old televised shows from the 80s and I guarantee you this, you're not going to watch anything else. You're going to you're going to screw around with way too much wrestling on your hands, but it is such a cool cool trip down memory lane. You're going to love it. All right? I'm already doing it. Thanks, Steve. You guys have a good show. Take care, Eddie. Thanks for the call. Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's the that's that's how you go down the rabbit hole. You go down the rabbit hole with the old stuff and I'm telling you, um you could know, talk all you want about the announcing teams of today and even the great Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler. But in my mind, okay, nobody. And you could you could make an argument for Bobby Heenan and Gorilla. You could. But I still think Gorilla and Jesse the Body Ventura, that's, 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 that's as good as it gets for wrestling. As good as it gets. All right, 19 pass. Good to have you with us. Let's go to Charlie and get a traffic update. Alexa chimes in on Twitter today at 600 ESPN El Paso. Steve, who is your favorite all-time wrestler? Oh, that is so difficult. That is so tough for me, Alexa. It really is. Because I started watching in the mid-'80s, around the time of the fabulous Freebirds, the Von Erichs, world-class championship wrestling was some of my favorite, favorite stuff watching as a a kid. Loved it. Loved watching um, The Missing Link. Um, and you know, you go down the list, one man gang, those were fun. Then, then comes WWF, but back when it was still the WWF before they became the WWE. And I mean, I remember Andre with the long hair. I remember Hogan winning the title. I love the tag team divisions with the British Bulldogs, the Killer Bees, the Hart Foundation, the Rougeau brothers. Um, and, and of course Hogan was one of my all time favorites because yeah, I was what? 12 when he won the title or something like that so you know i mean you grow up as a teenager and right in the middle of of hulkamania it was terrific but i probably would say um randy savage for a lot of reasons number one he had the greatest promos of all time uh especially when he was bad i'm not talking the good randy savage i mean the the randy savage back when he cheated uh had elizabeth as his as his manager before he became the king and all that stuff back when he was just he was coming up. That was my those are my favorite times. I loved him. Loved him as a bad guy. Adrian, you don't know this, but he won the title. He beat Tito Santana for the Intercontinental Championship in, in like January of eighty six, right? At the Boston Garden. And here's how he did it. In the middle of the match, he pulls this thing out of his crotch. Cause he he all he wore was like, you know, um his wrestling tights was was just essentially um, you know, like like underwear, basically. That's all he had. You know, it wasn't like a, a one piece. It was just his thing, his briefs. And he reaches in and he grabs this metal thing and just knocks Santana out with it. 
which of course is all you know ri- ridiculous as it was because at the end of the match when he hits him, he like pushes it out of the ring and then they show it on the ring and you see it's like wrapped in tape and some it was what they called like the foreign object. But that's how he won the belt. That's how he first won. And I, I just he jumped off the ropes like nobody was doing it back in those days. That was his big thing, and he had tons of energy and he was just. You hated him because he was such a bad guy. So much fun to watch. I loved the bad guys. I did. I liked the good guys, but I liked Roddy Piper as a bad guy. I liked the Macho Man. I always liked the bad guys. They were fun because they could get away with more. And they were meaner. So that was kind of fun, too. So to answer your question, Alexa, it's tough, but I probably would go Randy Savage for me. Even though I found out years later that he scripted all of his matches, which really bothered me because, you know, you don't you know it's all scripted, but when the moves are choreographed and the, and they go over and they already know what they're going to do and they don't wing anything, it's a little uh, it's a little rough. It really is. But that's at least that's me. How about you, Adrian? Who was your favorite? Not a wrestling fan, Steve. I can't yeah. even name. I can maybe maybe five. So, so I you never, I, you a, never, you never grew up watching it. No, I was a huge, maybe like two, three years, a huge fan. Middle school, uh, Shawn Michaels. That that ring a bell? Yeah, it does. Yeah, okay, hey, that's that's probably the only thing I could I could throw out. So there. for like a couple of years, you watched it. Yeah, yeah, not not. Enough but you never even, really got into it. No, you know, I I know I was hyper. In, um, if my dad's listening, he's like, no, 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 Adrian was really into it. But like for like three years, it was like middle school, and I, I don't I, I don't keep up with it or yeah. I, I can't tell you some of the wrestlers out there jason craig could answer this question so much better than me so and i feel some, bad and if you want to make an argument that flair is the goat i have no problem with that either rick flair was hilarious too great great played both sides great technical wrestler problem with hogan was he couldn't really wrestle he was he didn't really do much you know had the leg drop he always did his thing where he like like pretends like you know he's getting beaten and he just comes alive and starts shaking his head and starts vibrating in this really creepy way but that was his way of like hulking up and doing all that but um you know it was never really a great wrestler it was just he was like the the poster child of the wwf back when they were coming up big and making and making such a big name for themselves but let me tell you this back to what i was saying if you own peacock for five bucks a month go watch classics go watch mid 80s 85 86 okay Go watch the old Hard Foundation British Bulldog matches. That is as good as it gets. As good as it gets. Because the Dynamite Kid, to me, who's gone, both of them are gone now, Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith, they both passed away. Uh, those guys were as good wrestlers as you're going to find. Just phenomenal. Same with the Hart Foundation. Phenomenal. So, anyway. Appreciate the trip down memory lane for uh, for those of you that uh, that that still enjoy watching wrestling with the Royal Rumble coming up here in just uh, a matter of days on Saturday. That's going to be uh, taking place, and then we've got um, AEW coming here. Uh, what less than two weeks now uh, with Dynamite? That's going to be big on Wednesday, the eighth of February, from the Coliseum. That's such a cool show that they're going to be coming for the first time. And the live televised show will be happening here on uh, on TBS. So, yeah, really, really cool stuff. All right. And by the way, yes, Beast Mo is throwing Ultimate Warrior. I liked the Ultimate Warrior. I remember when he was the Dingo Warrior. How do you like that? Before, him. before he wrestled um, as the Ultimate Warrior, he was the Dingo Warrior. And, um, yeah, it was a great name. That that last like that, that, face paint that didn't last very long. You saw you you know you know who the Ultimate Warrior is, right? No, no clue. Seriously, no clue, man. I, I'm not a wrestling guy. Was your dad? No. Okay. Man, 
I was like the outlier when I when I liked it for maybe two, three years. Well, the problem is the Ultimate Warrior was big in the 80s. Okay, like 88, 89, 90, early 90s. So that was where he was big. You weren't born yet. So I could understand that. So when Joel was little and he wanted to start watching wrestling, I wouldn't let him watch the new stuff until he watched all the old stuff. So he became like the biggest fan of the 80s wrestling because that's what I had on DVD. And I'm like, okay, before you start watching the new stuff, you have to understand who paved the way for all the guys you're watching today. So he knew every Hulk Hogan match, every Andre the Giant match, um, Ultimate Warrior. He was he was like it was like he was in a trap. Like it's like I trapped him in a time machine, Adrian. Nice. And all he did was watch old wrestling. But that's good that he he knows it like historically. Got to appreciate it. Got to appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, we've got a new head football coach to meet. We'll do that right after uh, Adrian and this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. All right, Adrian. Thank you very much. Yeah, that um, Dan Quinn story is absolutely huge. Hey, we had Babe Laufenberg on the show yesterday and asked Babe about him. And, you know, he was even saying that uh, and hinting that it could be, you know, a head coaching job for Dan Quinn. So the fact that he stuck around, that's a monster, monster, uh, you know, uh, retaining move for the Cowboys. You wonder what's next with Kellen Moore. He's interviewed for several head coaching jobs. And for Kellen Moore, uh, yeah, I wonder if they'll uh, they'll, they'll, uh, move on from him as offensive coordinator. Wouldn't surprise me. Would not surprise me. All right. Uh, hey, we've got a very special guest, as promised, uh, joining us on the phone lines right now as we continue our tour around uh, high school football uh, coaching uh, changes here in El Paso. And uh, Americas has a brand new head football coach. He's uh, Noe Robles, and he joins us live here on the show right now. Coach, welcome, and good to have you on the program. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sure thing. Hey, guys, before we talk football with you, um, were you a pro wrestling fan growing up as a kid? And if so, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Oh, man, you know what? I really enjoyed uh, The Ultimate Warrior, and I also enjoyed uh, Bret Hart, man. Those two were, were my favorites growing up. Good era. Good era, Noe. I like that, and I, I've, I, I, can, I can see that. Absolutely. Terrific wrestler. So good stuff. All right, uh, now let's transition over to an opportunity for you that I'm sure you're super excited about, taking over a program that has had a ton of success over the years and an opportunity for you to uh, really make uh, a big name for yourself as a head coach in El Paso. So let's talk about it. Yeah, you know what? This is a, it's, a, it's an awesome opportunity, like you just said. Um, this is my first week officially on campus here, and, and student-athletes have been nothing but amazing, man. They've been very welcoming. All the, uh, all the coaches on campus, all the teachers, you can just tell um, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm in a very good place, lots of good people, and kids are working hard, man. They, they didn't question. They just said, yes, sir, and they started getting to work, and I'm very appreciative of that. Um, that that instant trust for me and, and the vision that I have along with the assistant coaches, it's sort of amazing. I, I couldn't land in a better spot. Coach, it's Adrian back here. Uh, I wanted to commend your past defense at Eastlake because I thought that what you did as defensive coordinator is build one of the best defenses in town. Uh, what kind of philosophies are you hoping to translate from Eastlake to Americas now that you're with the Trailblazers? Uh, you know what, Adrian, I I really felt like what we had at, at Eastlake was very special, man. We had some very good coaches um, that took ownership of their position groups. Uh, I think I think I had the best position group guys in the city with uh, at D line with Coach Herrera, Adrian Herrera, a young coach with an awesome uh, defensive mind. And then I was very fortunate enough to be uh, mentored by Arturo Poblano, who was a DC at Chapin for a very long time. 
You got a guy like Eric Corbett coaching in the DBs and all of us just putting our heads together and really working together. It, it was a very uh, genuine camaraderie that we had as coaches. There were no egos, and, and we always had the uh, the goal of just putting our kids in the great position to, to make plays. Um, we built up those positions and or those kids, and those kids played their, their hearts out for us, man. And it, it wasn't us. It was it was all them. And so I really want to bring that over to, to America's where we're building strong relationships with these kids where they know that we're going to do everything possible for them as young adults and on the flip side to that, they'll give us everything they got, and it's, and it's all for the best interest of America's football. And so that's really my focus here is um, building those relationships, and eventually we'll get that, that great effort, that hustle, that, that desire to not give up and just uh, get to the football and, and play for that aim across your chest. Coach, you've been there before. America's is a, is a place where you've coached at uh, with Patrick Melton. You've also been in Montwood, Bel Air, and as Adrian mentioned uh, just a little while ago, uh, you know, most recently having a chance to be that defensive coordinator at, at East Lake High. It tells me that over the years you've had a lot of different coaches that you've had a chance to sponge off of as you've gotten more and more experience preparing yourself for this opportunity. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Um, even going back to uh, my co-oping days at the middle school, learning from uh, my middle school head coach there, George Nunez, who's now at Beller Middle School, talk about organization and holding kids accountable. And I mean, I, I was very, very fortunate to be around some great coaches, guys like uh, Phil Lopez at Bel Air, uh, Chuck Valise at, at Montwood, uh, worked under Patrick, like you mentioned, for a year here. And that was that was a very, very fortunate experience for me. I learned a lot of football that year. And um, like you guys mentioned at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of this of this show, uh, America's has had a lot of success, and I was I was very fortunate to experience why under Patrick, and uh, we'll continue to build on the traditions that were set here and uh, learn from everyone you come across, whether it's good or bad. Learn from everyone and make it yourself, and, and just do right by kids. I almost feel like it's important to not just have high school experience when you get an opportunity like this, but. I love the fact that you mentioned middle school because it shows me that um, as somebody who grew up in El Paso, graduated from Bel Air, and then started to really get more and more experience in coaching, um, I don't want to say that paying your dues is important, but how important is it learning at that level first and then going from middle school up to high school as you go up the ladder of coaching? Um, you know what, like I mentioned earlier, I, I forgot who I was talking to, but there is really no right or wrong way to, to get to this position. Um, I am very, very blessed to have gone through the uh, the coaching ranks like I did. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't uh, change one bit of it. I think it's important just because um, you learn the foundations of coaching. It's very different coaching middle school kids compared to, to high school kids. And so understanding when you go to when I go to my middle school uh, athletic period, I know what those guys are going through. I know the struggles that they're going through, and I can relate, and I can give them some advice on, on how we can reach those kids. Uh, as far as the X's and O's, um, you know, just, just working your way up from, from making copies to, you know, chalking the lines at the middle school and then finally being able to sit down and, and really working on your, on your craft as far as the X's and O's with your position coaches, with your coordinators, and then with your head coach. I think that progression has really uh, allowed me to understand the complete game of football. Um, have had, I've been fortunate enough to coach uh, every defensive position and then on the offensive side coaching receivers. And, again, just working your way up and knowing, knowing basics, knowing foundations, and then you can kind of build on that stuff. You get to really fine-tune the knowledge that you've gained over the years. 
Coach, you're inheriting a team that is uh, returning a lot of quality talent next year, most notably uh, quarterback Mark Moore. We got a chance to watch him this past season in football Friday night. Also got a chance to watch uh, your your new running back in Brian Promessi and what he was able to do. Can you tell us a little bit about the talent returning to the table for you next year for the Trailblazers? Absolutely. I think uh, I think we've got pieces in the puzzle to, to be instant contenders for a district championship. And we had a team meeting today, and, and I, I explained that to our kids today, that our goals are for them to become winners in life, first and foremost. But on the football field, we expect to win. We expect to win now. There's a great foundation, and our kids are, are willing to put in that work. That's been very evident this whole week. Um, Mark Moore is a natural leader. You see this... Uh, you see this look in his eye, and, and you don't see it very often in a, whole, in a whole lot of kids, and he's got that. He wants to excel in everything that he does. Um, at the running back position, we've got a lot of competition, and, and uh, Promise is another kid that, man, he just stands out in, in everything that he does from the weight room to the running that we're doing outside. These kids have a, a different feel for them. Um, I'm, I'm expecting great things defensively as well. We've got key positions on the D-line, at linebacker, and on the back end with our defensive backs. We've got the pieces of the puzzle to be great. Um, it's our job to make sure our kids get there. Noy Robles is the uh, brand-new head football coach at America's High, and plus you're also the athletic coordinator. Is that a common um, theme for most head football coaches, to be athletic coordinators, or is every high school a little different in how they assign that? Uh, in my experience, it, it's pretty common for the head football coach to be also the athletic coordinator. Um, there are a few examples throughout throughout the city where that's not the case. I want to say Hanks for for a while there had uh, had two different uh, athletic coordinators. They'd have a boys and a girls athletic coordinator. Um, but for the most part, in the state of Texas, I believe it's it's like that where your head coach is your is your athletic coordinator as well. Okay, well that's good. All that means is just a little extra responsibility for you, coach, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, just a little. <laughs> how many um, how many spots left on your coaching staff do you have left to fill, or is is everybody already in place? Um, so right now we have everybody that's uh, that was here. They're still in place. Um, I'm looking. I'm still looking at evaluating the staff and and uh, hopefully bringing on our, our two coordinators here shortly. Uh, so as of right now, it's just our two coordinators that we're waiting on, and, and that just it takes a process with. Uh, with getting teaching positions or whatnot, but I'm hoping that we can get that done here uh, in the near future. Final question for us, and then we'll wrap it up with you. Um, should America's fans expect uh, really different styles of play coming from you, or do you want to try to keep some of the things that uh, Coach Melton had in place here in 2023? Um, you know what? America's historically has had great defenses, and uh, we plan on, on working towards being great. We're just going to do it out of a, an odd front and then morphing into an even front, uh, not so much the 4-3. So we still plan on, on playing great defense, and offensively, uh, we've got some skilled kids that, that can catch the ball out in space, but we also have, in, in my opinion, a very strong running attack, which is Amer- which is what America's has been known for. Um so I, I think defensively you're going to see a lot of similarities in, in the fact that we're aggressive and we fly to the ball. Uh, offensively, we're going to run the ball, uh, but we're going to be a little more a little more spread out and, and use open spaces a little bit more. Good stuff, Coach. Enjoy the conversation. Congratulations again on the opportunity, and we'll look forward to keeping in touch with you as we get closer to the season starting up here in about the next six, seven months. All right, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. 
You got it. He's uh, Noe Robles, folks, and he's now the new head coach uh, and athletic coordinator out at America's High. Come back with more 43 Pass. The Sports Talk continues. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Nine in front of five right now. UTEP Zay in the house. Zay, how excited are you about the 9-1-5 game coming up this weekend with UTEP and North Texas in women's basketball? Very excited. You know, this is a is a fun game. Uh, Jay-Z on Jackson earlier in the season, she said this is the game she was most looking forward to. So, hey, it should be a fun one. She's going to be in on the show tomorrow. I'm excited about that. Is it Jazzy on Jackson or Jay-Z on Jackson? Because I've heard both. I don't know. I, I, every time I hear it on the radio, it's Jay-Z on, but... You're going to have to ask. All right. Well, I want to well, get it right. I want to do our homework before. I was just hoping you know because you're at, you know, you're at all these games. Uh, the, the PA announcer always says Jay-Z on. So. All right. I, always, I thought it was Jay-Z on too, but I'm not, I wasn't even – even I was not sure after a while. Adrian, do we know for sure? We don't really even know. I have no clue. I, I lean on Zay with the PA announcer. I'll call her Jay-Z on. All right. So we're going to go Jay-Z on. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that, by the way. That's That helps. Um, it it really does because we want to make sure we get it right. So we'll go, we'll go Jay Z on Jackson. Perfect when she comes on the show tomorrow. I think that's going to be fun, and looking forward to that for all of our um, UTEP listeners out there. Want to listen to that conversation? That's uh, that's coming up. We still have in about thirty minutes. Jeff Erickson from RotoWire.com, and then coming up in our six o'clock hour, the one and only Lane Frank will give us his. Uh, predictions by the way a week from tuesday february the 7th lane and zay will be hosting sports talk let me repeat that folks lane frank utep zay will be hosting the show that day now i am a little concerned because they're both in high school and they usually don't get here by four because they're busy with school. So that being said, Zay, will you be able to um, get out a little early that day and make sure you're here so that when the show kicks off at four o'clock, uh, you could be right here where Adrian is behind the glass. Well, uh, I, th- I hope so. I mean, come pro- on, man. Pro- this is a serious opportunity. Just came out. All A's and B's. You know, Miss Chappelle, if you're hearing this, my principal, you know, come on. It's the 3.30. Do you need me to make a phone call for you? Because I will be more than happy to talk to your your, your teachers <laughs> and principal and kind of explain them the um, seriousness of this matter for um, a week from Tuesday. Because I have no problem making that call. In fact, I'll even make it on the air if you want. You tell me. I can do that <laughs> on or off the air. That is no problem. You know what? You, you might have to. You might have to. But uh, I, I, think, I think I'll be able to do it. Maybe. Is your dad listening? He is. I hope. I, I mean, well, usually just, is. George, just tell them he's got a doctor's appointment and just <laughs> get him out of school at like 315 and get him here at the station by 330, 340, and you'll be set and you're good to go. Easy as right? that. All right. Listen, I have no problem. No problem at all talking to your, uh, talking to your principal. None. She'll understand. It's a serious work opportunity here. It really is. You're running the show for three hours. You're going to be on with Lane the whole day, so it's a big deal. You know, you know the interesting part about this, Steve, is uh, the final periods of class. I was asking Zay, like, what kind of periods do you yeah. have in the final periods? You know, that kind of thing. That that's important, right? It you is. don't want to miss a, an important class. Yeah. What's your last class? So, um, 
school has like A days and B days. So on A days it's newspaper, and oh, on A days it's geometry, and on B days it's newspaper. So. Well, what day is this? A or B? I don't know. I, I have to look ahead to that. I, that's. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Zay, you got to be more prepared, man. <laughs> this is you have to be more. You have to be more prepared for this. You you can't just you know not know these things. You gotta you gotta start working this angle, okay? Okay, I'm I, I gonna do it right now. All right, good because if it's newspaper, I feel better than if it's geometry. No knock on newspaper, but I was in newspaper, so I mean they can. They can let you go for a little, a little early. It's a, tell me you're on assignment that day. This is day. like extra credit for newspapers. Yes, it yeah. is. It is. Not geometry, though. Then you can write about you know having an opportunity to co-host a sports radio show while you're a you know you're a uh, sophomore in high school. Well, you know, I just did the math right now, and it is on newspapers. So good. Boom. Right and there. That's, and that's and that's a done deal. I feel I feel good now. There's no there's no question about your decision. None. All right, folks, hour number two right around the corner. We'll talk to uh, Jeff Erickson 25 minutes from now as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk, hour number two underway. Along with Adrian Broadus, UTEP Zay, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Why will Zay be working a week from Tuesday with Lane Frank on Sports Talk? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Adrian and yours truly are going to be on our way to Phoenix and Radio Row, where we will make our drive, head in Tuesday afternoon. We'll be listening to the show while we're on our way. And so excited about being part of the broadcast, along with our pals Steve the Foss Foster and Chris Fernandez. They'll have laying down the law from 12 to 2. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every time I bring up the Foss and Chris, Adrian smiles. He smiles just at the pot, yeah. just because you know how <laughs> great those two hours are going to be every day. Well, I've been, you've been a part of the show before. I've been a part of the show before, and they they don't like hold back. Like sometimes, you know, we'll no. ease into things, Steve. Well, you know, we've got three hours, so and by the third hour, we're getting into another topic. They get to all the mm. topics in the first five minutes. That's they're the best. ready to go, and that's why I love them. It's going to be so much fun. They're gonna have, and, and by the way, it's gonna be kind of fun because they're gonna have. There's gonna be so many El Paso uh, shoutouts. It's gonna sound kind of corny, but funny at the same time. I can't wait. So those guys are gonna be ramping it up from twelve to two. We'll be on from four to seven, and uh, so many guests, so many things happen. It's gonna be phenomenal, folks. Radio Row for the Super Bowl. Are you kidding? It's gonna be great. Uh, by the way, want to thank our friends at. Uh, um, Rise Federal Credit Union. They're going to be sponsoring our broadcast uh, studio out there at Radio Row. So thank you, Rise. Along with our all of our supporting sponsors right now, Technomark El Paso, New Start Homes, Border Pallets, Chick-fil-A Airway, and Oscar Arieta Agency. They're already on board. We're adding sponsors by the day. By the day. So, so excited about that. Had a chance to see Anthony from Chick-fil-A Airway also over there at Sierra Vista Mall. He came by the station earlier today. Told me that they've got some very exciting things coming up uh, Valentine's week. So to follow them on social media for all the details. But love the fact that we've got all these uh, new new uh, businesses jumping on board with us for this promotion because it's going to be so much fun. Yeah, and really appreciate them. I mean, this is uh, for us a very historic mark for 600 ESPN El Paso heading out to Radio Row for the Super Bowl. Uh, that is a huge, huge thing for us. And the great thing about us is we can't lose these yep. four teams, any of the four. I mean, 
any of the two combos that you can get uh, for all these four teams making it into the Super Bowl would be exciting. I mean, you've got the 49ers, the Eagles, the Bengals, and the Chiefs. Uh, I, I just I feel like we've got a, a great Final Four as far as uh, our options for we do. the Super Bowl. We absolutely do. And it's our first ever broadcast from there. So that's going to be exciting. All we need now is to broadcast live from WrestleMania, and we'll be at the uh, the pinnacle of this uh, of this radio station and and what we've been able to do. By the way, the wrestling segment last hour was a lot of fun. Alexa, thank you for starting that. That was very nice, um, and I love the responses we were able to get from certain people out there. Uh, this came from at Halbrook Brad, who tweeted, "I would say Shawn Michaels, all time favorite wrestler for me. However, current top wrestler is Seth Rollins." So there you go. That was from um, Brad Holbrook. Also, Eddie, who chimed in on this, said, great freaking segment about WWE and the history uh, on the show. I don't know how I feel about Adrian not being a wrestling fan. Some of my favorite wrestlers include the Junkyard Dog, Coco Beware, and uh, Demolition. That was the uh, tag team with Axe and Smash. So by the time... Demolition debuted in the WWF back in the late 80s. They already had the Road Warriors, uh, Adrian. That was like Hawk and Animal. They were really, really popular also, but they didn't wrestle in that uh, federation until years later. So Demolition was kind of like the uh, WWE's answer to the uh, to the Road Warriors back in the day. Really like the Junkyard Dog as a name for a wrestler. That's a cool name. He was terrific. He wrestled with a dog collar. Like he, hey, really? That's he, funny. he would come out. He would come out with a dog collar and a chain. Oh that's, yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, one of the greatest matches of all time. They had he had a couple of uh, classic dog collar matches. One with Roddy Piper back before WWE, and one with Greg Valentine. Yeah, you got to check those out. Joe Chacon tweeted the show. Have Steve C. If he remembers when we first met, it had to do with wrestling and Buzz. And the Buzz Adams show back in 97 and me winning front row and backstage meet and greet passes. Hashtag repping from Colorado now. Hashtag Brock is my OG. Hashtag has to do with an ice bath in freezing temps. I seem to remember that. I do. I feel like we did that segment either on location. I feel like that might have been at Kazi's back in 97. Maybe I'm wrong on that. It could have been on the air, but I feel like it was at Kazi's. Maybe I'm wrong. This is great. I love that uh, Joe Chacon's throwing us some uh, some what twenty five plus year old uh, uh, you know trivia here on the show. KLAQ trivia mm-hmm. for that matter. That's right. Um, YYS just tweeted the show. How about JYD's grab them cakes? Do you know what that is? Adrian? No clue. Not no at idea. All. Not even a, a single clue of that. So in 1985, the the then WWF. Uh, came out with the wrestling album. And the wrestling album was just like it sounds. It was an album, because this was really kind of before CD. This was vinyl of all these wrestlers singing these really corny uh, like songs with professional bands. And JYD's was called Grab Them Cakes. And they did, and they used to have their own wrestling award shows called the Slammies, like the Grammys, but it was the Slammies. And they would, ah, okay. and they would give out awards. Uh, this is you have to be a certain age. Like, I mean, if you did not grow up in the '80s, um, unless you've watched this stuff on Peacock or YouTube, you have no idea what we're talking about. None. So you got to be in your 40s or older to really understand what this is all about. 
Otherwise, yeah, it's going to go completely over your head. So, But Adrian, you have no interest now in wrestling. You didn't have any interest then. So I seriously doubt that you're going to go on tonight and uh, go down the rabbit hole that is, uh, you know, old matches and programs from the 80s. Yeah, unfortunately I'm not, Steve, but uh, I I respect it. I love the athleticism. I love the entertainment value that WWE and all of wrestling brings and professional wrestling. So uh, I appreciate it. I'm I'm respectful of it. There you go. At least you're respectful. I'm I'm happy with that. Thank you. Line ringing in, 10 past, our phone number is 505-6009. That's our telephone number. I nearly got caught with the old number. 505-6009 as we continue on. On Sports Talk. Let me go to George. He's uh, joining us next on the show. George, how are you? What's up, George? Doing great, Steve. Awesome, George. Good to hear from you. So so you you guys were talking about the wrestlers. Funny story. uh, Back in the young days, uh, I I love the uh, the WCW, WWE, yeah, but my favorite was every Sunday at the little arena at the County Coliseum. They had uh, the Mexican wrestlers go over, and they would put on a show. Amazing! You would see legends like Flama Roja, Lejonario, just a bunch of, of of Mexican wrestlers putting on a show for you, and it, it was just as as a fun-filled drama as as any WWE Royal Rumble. You what ten? What years are we talking about here? Give us years. Uh, mid eighties, uh, early early to mid eighties. All right. And actually, the the admission was a can of of uh, a can of food and two dollar tickets. Really? If you so it was like a canned yeah, food drive. You gave a can of food and two bucks got you in. Yeah, two bucks got you in. To what? see the best wrestling you'd ever. You could ever watch, man. It was awesome. Was that back when? Uh, was that back when uh, Gory Guerrero was still working those shows at the Coliseum, or was it already past yeah. it? I, I actually, I actually met Gory because he wanted to recruit one of my best friends. My best friend was a thirteen-year-old kid. He was three hundred pounds, but he was like six foot, six foot two, six foot three, and uh, the only reason he didn't recruit him was because of his knees. He had bad knees. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that when this kid was 13 years old, 13, he was already like 6'2", 3 bills? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. He was was an animal. He was was a big kid. I mean, and and Gordy wanted to recruit him. I I also went to school with with Eddie Guerrero. Yep. Eddie and I met met, uh, Eddie at his wrestling rink. And uh, he was he was a nice guy. I mean, he he uh, he won state for uh, for Jefferson at his weight class. That's right. He sure did. His senior year. That's one hundred percent. He was just correct. an awesome guy. I mean, I, I was younger than him. I was I think I was two years. I was a sophomore when he was a senior. But you know what? He was the nicest guy you'd ever meet, man. Well, George, that's awesome stuff. I love those trips down memory lane. Happy you had a good time at the Coliseum in the eighties. That's what it was all about, right? Yeah, that that was awesome. And then so hearing that you guys are leaving, you you guys are leaving the the station in good hands. I I'm, I'm sure UTEP Zay and and Lane are going to do an awesome job. You know, they they already proved it once. Uh, 
I'm sure they'll do it again. Hey, can you make sure Zay uh, has no trouble getting early out of that journalism class for a newspaper, oh, yeah. please? <laughs> make sure. And, and George, if I need to make a phone call, I will, okay? I promise. I'll do it. So You, you got it, Steve. All right. Appreciate you, man. Take care. Good stuff. Well, George taking us down memory lane. Hopefully he's, he's passed that love along to Zay. I, I don't know. Zay, uh, do you have, your, uh, do, do you have uh, George's love for uh, pro wrestling? We were in the car listening to the show, and he he said he really wasn't much of a wrestling fan. Like that well, happened. Well, well, well. According to that phone call, it's a little different story, isn't it? <laughs> he said like he said like it was okay, it was entertainment, but he really wasn't much of a fan. So, well, I don't know, man. He just changed his tune on that <laughs> phone call, don't you think? I, yeah, he does this all the time. Sounds like it. All right, that was good stuff. Fourteen past as sports talk continues. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Our telephone number here to get into the program. Well, all I can tell you is this. We've got a lot more today over the next hour and 45 minutes, taking up till 7 o'clock. And uh, excited for uh, the rest of the show. Excited to have Jeff Erickson next from Rotowire. Oh, we got baseball to talk about. Get Jeff's thoughts on whether his Bengals can get back to the big one. For the second consecutive year. We'll talk about that as well. But first, let's go to Charlie One and get another traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. 20 past. Along with UTEP Zay, Adrian Broadus, Steve Kaplowitz with you. Adrian, are we ready for these NFL championship games this week? I can't wait, Steve. And our next guest uh, has a rooting interest in one of the teams as well, which makes it even more exciting. I love it when non-biased guests are actually a little biased, right? I mean, let's be honest. It's he's not a he's not a journalist. He's a a, a fantasy genius is the best way to put him. He does this for a living. So to me, if you're really like if if your job is fantasy sports, you absolutely have the privilege of getting to root for a team. I agree, and I, I feel like um, last year I just gave myself a pass uh, for rooting for the Rams and just saying that they're going to keep moving on. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that they made it to the Super Bowl and won it. So, Well, let's find out what Jeff Erickson has to say from uh, the team at rotowire.com. He joins us for our weekly chat here. And what did you know it? Another year where the Bengals are one win away from getting back to the big one. Yeah, and the same uh, matchup as before as well. Uh, so, uh Nothing uh, different here. Uh, pretty excited about it. And, yes, I, I disclose my biases. Good. Um, but, you know, and the thing is, I, yeah, if I were a journalist, it would be different. Uh, I, I'll rapidly concede that. If I'm out there, uh, you know, writing, writing, you know, an actual, like, newspaper story, that would be uh, one thing there. Um, yeah. uh, but I disclose exactly where I'm coming from on this. You do, and I like that about you. I always have. And by the way, uh, what an impressive performance going into Buffalo in that weather and just dominating the Bills. It was almost like so they satisfying. picked up. You know what it was? It was like they picked up right where they left off from three weeks ago when that game was being played in Cincinnati. Yeah, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I wasn't that optimistic going in. I thought that the absence of three starting offensive linemen would really hurt them, but the Bills were still unable to generate a decent pass rush, and you know, the Bengals dominated almost all phases of the game. It was it was so satisfying to watch. I mean, I love my quarterback, first of all. That helps. Uh, Joe Burrow is just, you know, he, he the moment is never too big for him. Uh, I think that's the best way I can describe it. He doesn't have the best physical skills, but, you know, he's so calm, and he's also, you know, he, he has the right measure of it there. I, I love seeing it. Um, 
the defense was fantastic. Uh, and that's the hidden story from the last two years. Is it, The defense has been maybe not an elite defense, but it, it seems to rise up in key occasions. And, it, you know, it, it's, the be- it's the best of the top three teams uh, of defenses overall, I think, at least in, at, into after Von Miller got hurt for the uh, Bills. You're right. And now they get to go up against a Kansas City team that um, we don't know if, Patrick Mahomes is going to be 100%. He might be 75. Who knows? But he said he's going to play. And, uh, you know, one thing Joe Burrow has, he's got bragging rights. He's won all three matchups against uh, KC and and Mahomes. So this is a fascinating matchup this weekend. It is. It is. And, you know, I I, I think, you know, I'm pretty positive Mahomes will play. They said he's been practicing fully. Uh, but fully and looking good are perhaps two different things that we probably won't know. They're going to shield the media from that as best as possible. Um, a couple of points. One, Mahomes' numbers in the pocket are actually better than outside of the pocket. So even though everyone says it's key to keep him in the pocket, maybe not so much. Um, we we saw what he was able to do, even like throwing off the wrong foot. That you know his arm strength, arm strength is so great that. He can get a buy with improper mechanics driven by the the, the injury, and still deliver the ball. Uh, two, you know, there, there's so much familiarity here. Uh, there's a lot of film that they have between each other. People forget in all three games that the Bengals beat the Chiefs, the Chiefs had a lead in the fourth quarter, um, and in some cases they had significant leads in the game. Uh, they had a seven. You know, if you use all those like next gen win uh, chances to win percentages that they were over 75% in all three games. So, you know, the Bengals had to rally, and they did. But, you know, the Chiefs were – it's not like the the Bengals had the measure of them. They had to scrape to get there. We're talking right now with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com as we continue. How great is it also that – I was hoping for snow. There's no more snow in the forecast. But when that game kicks off, temperatures are going to be in the mid-20s, and they're going to drop from there. Yeah, uh, night game, that'll be part of it. Uh, again, it doesn't really favor either team. Both teams are used to it. I think, although I think it favors the team that gets out to a lead. Um, you know, the cold might kind of dampen people's spirits if they fall off, if, if it's a significant deficit. Uh, so I think that might be something that you uh, be concerned about a little bit if you're one of those teams. Um, I, I, it would behoove the Bengals not to fall behind, especially in Arrowhead like that. I think that's I think that that's pretty accurate. But that's the late game. The early game is going to be Philadelphia and San Francisco. Another fun one. Purdy Magic continues. He still stays undefeated as a, a starting quarterback after beating the Cowboys this past weekend. Uh, now we're going to see a pair of really good defenses battle it out. You know, I kind of wonder. Is this going to be the low-scoring game that's going to kind of counter the offensive showcase between the other two we just talked about? It might. It might. Um, both defenses are elite. Uh, nobody runs the ball against the Niners. So, although I will say it could be a little difference against a mobile quarterback. They haven't faced too many of them this year. When they faced Justin Fields, it was week one when Fields was a lot rawer and you know, there was a monsoon that day, and they had trouble with them regardless. So that might work a little bit in the Eagles' favor. Meanwhile, the opposite is true. The Eagles, it's hard to throw against them. Their, their corners are so good, that pass rush is so good. I think one of the big keys of this game is whether the Eagles can generate a huge pass rush against Purdy against, with that front four without blitzing. If they can do that, 
I, I think the Niners might be a little bit in trouble. We saw that a little bit in the Dallas game last week. When Purdy was under pressure, he only completed three passes. I think it was like three out of ten or three out of 13 maybe even. Uh, but he was 16 and 19 when he wasn't pressured. So getting the pass rush going is huge. And, of course, the Niners have a good offensive line. Trent Williams is amazing. Uh, seeing whoever lines up against him uh, will be a fun matchup. But the Eagles have four great DLs. So uh, that'll be like I, I think that's like the key matchup of the game. I think that's uh, I think that's really well put. And and funny enough, you know, despite the fact that most fantasy leagues are over, there's still a lot of betting leagues and a lot of daily leagues and you've got mm-hmm. five new articles just today on this game. Yeah, uh we're you know, we're continuing with our you know, our, a lot of our regular features, exploiting the matchups by Jerry Don, Jerry Donabedian. I do my uh, you know, uh my value meter where I rank players for the given week. Sometimes that helps you set lineups. In leagues where you set lineups or in DFS, we also have our DFS tools. We have lots of different ways to kind of crack that nut. You do. And, again, that's all there at uh, rotowire.com. Meanwhile, how about the news today that Dan Quinn is staying in Dallas as defensive coordinator and turned the Colts down for a second interview? That Indianapolis job seems like it's getting worse and worse by the day. Yes, it does. Uh, Well, hey, this is the chickens coming home to roost, really, if you think about it. Jim Irsay has been a meddlesome, crazy owner who's dictated some, you know, some of these decisions that they've made that have backfired badly on them. I mean, everybody can get, you know, points to Jerry Jones, and probably accurately, but Irsay might be worse. He might be. And do you think when it's all said and done, do you think that Jeff Saturday ends up coming back as head coach? I have no idea. I, I, I mean, he's still in, he, you know, he, it's still a possibility. Uh, that's for sure. I, you know, I think Saturday appeared overmatched, but also, you know, you have a full off season to prepare. You have a coaching staff that you can work with. Maybe he'll be better. You know, I, there, there's so many different parts to being a head coach, and one of them is being a leader of men. I think Saturday is good at that aspect of the job, at least from what I've read and what I've heard. Um, some of the tactical decisions, meh, not so much. You know, when to use timeouts, for instance, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that 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 skill eludes a lot of head coaches. You know, he's not, he's hardly the, uh, the only one guilty of that. You know, multi-billion-dollar franchise, and they can't get you know in the NFL, and you can't get that right. Uh, heck, you can't even get like you know you know. We found out this year in the playoffs that there's a chip in the ball, and there has been for a couple of years, but we never knew it. It just kind of oops disclosed it in one of those next-gen stats that tweets that went out. But they don't use it right. They don't use it for, you know, we see it in the World Cup that the technology is there, but yet the NFL refuses to use it. We have old men, you know, running down the sideline holding chains and hoping that chains don't get tangled and having delays for that um, and setting those chains properly to determine whether a player got a first down. And, oh, by the way, spotting when these masses of humanity, how far the ball got before a knee hit and all that. It's really crazy that we have such levels of impreciseness uh, on something which is, you know, you know, such an expensive endeavor. Let's talk about my new favorite rumor in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers okay. to the Jets, especially after the Nathaniel Hackett offensive coordinator hire today. So you're the Jets guy. How do you feel about it? I'm fine with it. Uh, listen, um, I, what, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks right now, Lamar Jackson, um, Aaron Rodgers, all you need is a vet that knows how to complete a pass and stays protected in that offensive line for a little bit, and they'll be just fine. So 
I would love the opportunity to basically turn it back uh, in time, like when Brett Favre uh, doesn't break. You know, if he doesn't injure his bicep, he's taking the Jets to the playoffs that year. Aaron Rodgers has so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball at his disposal. I think he'd be like a kid at a candy store working with those guys. I give you Matt Ryan. Oh wait, that's not what you meant. I don't want um, Matt Ryan. I want Aaron. I, 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 I want a guy that was the MVP of the league a year ago. I'm just telling you, it can backfire. I'm just saying. Aaron Rodgers would work. Um, Aaron Rodgers is exciting. Um, Tom Brady would be just a media circus. It would be amazing to watch from, from afar. I, I just like the, the Schadenfreude factor from afar would be huge. Yep. Uh, but you're going to end up with Jimmy G or, or something like that instead. And, you know, you've got to be careful of what you wish for. Is all I'm saying is some of these, like, league average veterans – end up like they did on the Colts, you know, and you get, you know, you get Carson Wentz. Oh, that, what could go wrong with Carson Wentz? Oh, this is what could go wrong with Carson Wentz. Oh, what could go wrong with Matt Ryan? Oh, this is what could go wrong with Matt Ryan. It's not necessarily the panacea that you think it is. Yeah, I get it, but you want to know something? I've seen what's gone wrong with Zach Wilson over the last mm-hmm. couple of seasons, and, uh, you know, they they got to have an alternative. They just they, they need another way to go. And Sure, of course. You know, I, I'll, gra- I'll rapidly uh, agree with you on that one there. And one thing I'll say about Garoppolo, he might not light it up and throw for 300 yards a game, but he won't make the kind of mistakes that we see on a, on a game-by-game basis from somebody like Zach Wilson. Hey, if, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst-case scenario, I'll still take that every day of the week over Zach Wilson. Yeah, you got to fix that offensive line, though. Yes, first. they do. That is yes, part of the big do. problem. You know, and they got unlucky. They 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 had a, a training camp injury, then they had another starter go down in the middle of the season, mm-hmm. and they were not able to adequately replace either of them. Brown got hurt, and he he wasn't even that good after they signed him. So, you know that uh, you know a good offensive line dictates a lot of this here. Um, there's only a few quarterbacks that can overcome a bad offensive line. That said, Wilson was bad on his own right too. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and the thing is, Rogers supposedly is close to Wilson and could mentor him and maybe turn him around. We'll see about that. I don't really view uh, Rogers as the mentor type, though, to be honest. I don't either, and I don't want him to be a mentor. Just get down there and go take the team to the playoffs. That's all I care about. And by the way, they keep showing him in number twelve. Somebody needs to explain to everybody that number twelve is retired, and Joe Namath will have to bless off on that before suddenly Aaron Rodgers shows up wearing number twelve. That's why it never is going to happen, Steve. Uh, yeah, no, just kidding. Um, but yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm curious to see how Rodgers would handle the New York media. Mm. Things go badly sideways at all, and they, it's inevitable they will at some point. You know, the NFL's a long season. There's a lot of good teams out there. Um, you know, then the Jets can tear them apart. Then the Jets can package. Uh, you know, they could package Michael Carter in this deal and get back Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers, and then Jones could be that beautiful one-two punch um, at at the running back spot because they've already got the you know the the, fr- the franchise uh, running the ball coming off the major injuries. So I wouldn't mind seeing that either. Let's get Showtime in with Aaron Rodgers and let them reunite in New York. You can't spend that much on a backup running back. They're going to rework the contract, Jeff. Oh, okay. Rework the contract. <laughs> All right. The, the salary cap is a mirage. That's it's not right. Real. No, Everybody, it's it's. Taysom Hill just got another extension with us talking about it. It's uh, that that's your that is your favorite. Uh, the Taysom Hill. I, I love, love going team. to that one. I know you it's do. It's so funny. It's it's 
It's so transparent, but, you know, and maybe the bill comes due at some point. The Saints did have to give up, you know, lose some key personnel here and there. Yep. Uh, but it, 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 where it hurts them is depth, as we saw with the Rams as well. But you can you can go all in on a year or two and kind of go around the cap, but you're going to have to pay for it eventually. We will get to Sports Center as soon as we wrap this up with Jeff. Let's talk a little baseball for just a, a quick moment or two. Uh, first off, thoughts on Scott Rowland in the Hall of Fame? Do you like it or do you not like it? Happy to see it. Okay. Happy to see it. I think this is a good reflection of defense matters. Third base defense especially is harder than people think it is. Uh, and it's a reflection, too, that uh, some of the traditional metrics may not have been adequate, and more advanced metrics are better evaluators of how good a player's career was. I mean, because let's face it, he was never that high in the MVP voting. But the MVP and all-star voting is often driven by the traditional, you know, uh, you know the, tra- the traditional older stats that may not measure a player's contribution, especially defensively. And Alberto Mondesi to the Red Sox. Interesting in a lot of ways, right? Opens the shortstop door for Bobby Witt. And if Mondesi could stay healthy, it gives uh, the Red Sox possibly a shortstop to bank off of after losing Bogarts. Yeah, I mean, and, and Trevor Story. That's what was, that drove this trade. Uh, the fact that Story's going to miss a good chunk of the season, at least half of it, maybe more. Um, Story's not on my draft board right now in a okay. redraft league. It'd have to be maybe in a like a one of those draft and hold leagues where you don't make any pickups over the course of the year, but you hate starting the year at the dead spot there, and you don't know he may not come back at all. Um, it also you know frees him from having to play Enrique Hernandez and Christian Arroyo every single day. I, I think they're going to do a lot of mixing and matching between the three of them uh, between those two spots. What does Michael Taylor to the Twins do for Byron Buxton? It gives them a third center fielder there if you count Royce Lewis, too. Um, you know, Taylor's an excellent defensive defensive center fielder. Uh, Buxton is certain to not play every game. You know that. They're, even if he's healthy, they're going to do load management. Uh, so that gives them a, a better alternative. Lewis isn't going to be ready for the start of the season, so gives them a little bit of a buffer. And good teams, teams that expect to compete, find depth. So there, there's redundancy at positions. And the Twins, I mean, you know, they kind of threw in with Correa. That was their kind of – hey, we're going to go for it. Then they subsequently traded for Pablo Lopez. I love that trade, by the way. Defense. Love that trade for Minnesota. Uh, yeah. you know, and I think that Lopez can fit right in in that rotation. Yeah, just got to stay healthy. Uh, but he gives them a, a starter uh, who, who's got an upside, a palpable upside. I think it also reflects that they had some concerns about Tyler Malley being ready for the start of the season and or him being at the top of the rotation. That gives him a little bit of buffer there, too. I don't know if I like Jazz Chisholm moving the center field to Miami this year. Yeah, I was curious. Um, I, I'll, be, uh, I, I'll say I was surprised. Uh, in fact, I think I even I tweeted out when it happened, like, does this ensure that he starts at shortstop? And nope, nope. Oh. They're, they're going with Joey Wendell at shortstop. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not seeing that. Not really feeling that one for the you know I don't think he's a full time player. I mean he's a good defensive player. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I don't think his bat's that great, and I don't think Arias for that matter is 162 games a year player at second base either. I, I think you know he, when he played, he spent a lot of time at first base last year to kind of stay healthier, and I think they you know the Marlins might need to do that. But then again, the Marlins had to do something because they struck out on the free agent market. They were they were trying to go after Jose Abreu. They're trying to go after some of the other hitters on the free agent market and couldn't bring any of them in. So they had to go another route. Speaking of shortstop, does Vaughn Grissom take over the role in Atlanta this year? I think so. Yes. Um, with with Dansby gone, I think Grissom is their shortstop. 
The only negative is he might bat ninth, but we saw last year with Michael Harris and other, and even Dansby Swanson that mm-hmm. the uh, batting order can be fluid. Uh, that Grissom could have some helium in that batting order if he if he gets off to a hot start. Uh, this, but you know they they have such a deep one through nine lineup that it matters less for them except for just the, the sheer number of plate appearances. But you know the, if he bats ninth, then he's got this elite lineup behind him to knock him in at least. May not get as many RBI chances though. Take me through Rotowire right now and some of the articles you want to profile for our listeners. Steve, I thank you for bringing that up. I mean, on the baseball side of things, I mean, we've talked about, mentioned his name before, but James A. Anderson is just cranking out awesome, awesome content. Uh, if you are in a dynasty or a keeper league and you have a draft involving the first year players just freshly available at the first year player draft, he's got a roadmap for you there. Uh, and it's, it's an article he posted. And he also came up with uh, the first year player hitter, or, or I should say the prospect tiers for players that contribute this year. So if you you know that that's one of the things I like too is okay well you know this isn't necessarily for keeper it's for these prospects who can we count on to participate so I'm doing some draft and hold leagues right now it's invaluable in leagues like this because there are no pickups so you have to try to anticipate who might be available um, and who might who's got a better chance of playing this year and who's uh, less likely to get the call this year despite maybe having a higher prospect ranking so uh, I think that's a really great article Jason Collette's got his uh, his series of bold calls. He went through the AL East uh, with this week's edition. A uh, really good article for that he does an annual series on. Todd Zola wrap, wraps up the latest in uh, free agent moves and trades, and that, that his his reactions to that. You guys can check it all out. Uh, you can take a peek behind our paywall. Just go to rotowire.com/free. We don't have require a credit card. Just plug in a valid email address, and off you go. So much good stuff. Love it. Every time we get a chance to talk a little fancy with you. Good luck this weekend with the Bengals, and always appreciate the time, Jeff. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, folks. We'll send it over to Adrian for Sports Center, and then we'll come back, wrap up Hour 2 next, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back on Sports Talk, 10 in front of 6. Let's be honest about something. As disappointing as it was getting knocked out of the playoffs four days ago, Dallas Cowboys fans have to be ecstatic with the news today that Dan Quinn is staying on board as D.C. for 2023. This is a major story. I thought he was as good as gone. And the fact that he's coming back, I think that's a great, great break for Dallas Cowboys fans everywhere. I do too, Steve. This is something that you cannot take for granted if you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, I thought they had a top five defense in the entire league this past year. I thought their defense at times did struggle, sure, but they also had a lot of injuries. So when uh, you heard Dan Quinn say today, unfinished business, well, you you can kind of ring that true, right? Because they did have a lot of people out in this mat, in, you know, throughout the last part of the season. They did. And uh, once again, you know, Two years in a row, he's passed up on head coaching opportunities to remain as defensive coordinator. It kind of makes me wonder, is Jerry, and maybe I'm wrong here, maybe Jerry is trying to you know, give a message to Dan Quinn saying, hey, you know what, when the time comes to move on from Mike McCarthy, because eventually that's going to happen, that ship will sail, we'll look at bringing you on as head coach. Maybe that's the kind of deal that, uh, Jerry is kind of making with Dan Quinn because two years in a row now he's had head coaching interviews two years in a row he has chosen to stay with Dallas 
which is really weird. I'm not going to lie to you. I think eventually he wants to get back in as a head coach. I don't know. Maybe, Adrian, Dan Quinn is your future Dallas Cowboys head football coach. I like this path for him to possibly be a head coach. I really like that because I feel like he is uh, deserving of being a head coach. I mean, look, he was part of a a great build out there in Atlanta, uh, building a a great team that uh, made it all the way to the Super Bowl, albeit lost the 28 to 3 matchup against Tom Brady the go but still I I I'm impressed by uh, what he is as a head coach or as a coach I am too Lane Frank has just shown up and I am so confused he was wearing his own podcast sweatshirt and he took it off and I'm thinking to myself you know if I had a sweatshirt that said sports talk I'd wear it all day every day and he just took it off for a t-shirt um, it's hot in here. It's hot. This is a, it's a hot building. You think it's hot in here? I think it's. it's I, I'm the Lane Frank defender. So I think it's. I'm, I think it's I'm cold. A- <laughs> I think it's chilly in this studio. I'm happy. I'm wearing long sleeves. Um, and and yet Lane is already like fired up to the point where he arrived wearing a hoodie, and now he's in his he's 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 in his element because he's wearing a t-shirt. You know so, what, Steve? I, I yes. have to say this uh, with Lane wearing the hoodie. Um, maybe he could cut off the hoodie, the, like the sleeves down the line. Maybe get a second one, and then whenever he's uh, a little hot or something like that, just uh, rock the cutoffs. I like the fact that he's got so much of his own gear that he just shows up. I mean, he's got his own ball caps, which we now have. He's got his own hoodies. I mean, he's going to be hosting the show for us in a couple of weeks. There's a lot going on here with him. There's a lot to there's always a lot to unpack when Lane joins the show, isn't there? That's right. And hey, what a better week to have him than uh NFC AFC uh championship week right here. It's uh it's all it's all about football right now. Well, we're gonna do it. So uh Lane Frank standing by. He'll be joining us for our six o'clock hour on championship week in the National Football League. I know he's got a lot to talk about. He looks good considering his favorite team was knocked out of the playoffs, but after all, he picked against them, so he's a smart man. He knows. He knew what was coming. He did. We'll talk to Lane next. The Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. It is that time. Time to welcome in Lane Frank, who's now 15. Man, this this segment doesn't feel the same anymore, by the way. It really doesn't. I mean, as a 14-year-old, you know, we... We've had so many memories with you over the last three or four months. And now that you're 15, we have to create new memories. I mean, you know, do you feel the same way? Yeah, I feel the same. Eric, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I feel can, the, yeah. You, can you hear yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah, of course. I feel the same way. Maybe not on the show right now, but yeah, I feel the same way. All right. Hey, by the way, if you ever want to bring your own headphones, you can do that, you know? I mean, do you own a pair of headphones? Sure. All right. I figured, well, you know, you're a big shot podcaster. You've got schoolyard sports. I figured if you ever want to, you know, bring, ah, your, own, fine. bring yeah. your own stuff. I you mean, got great stuff. No, but, but here's, the th- here's the truth, okay? I'm very picky with what I wear, right? So when I go on other radio shows, I carry my headphones with me. I won't. I don't like using other headphones. And it's not the, the whole ear stuff. I don't care about that. But you get very comfortable to, like, your own gear, your own yeah, equipment. for sure. So I appreciate you using I mean, our stuff. But if you ever want to bring your own, you're, you're more than welcome. No, I mean, I feel comfortable with these. Have you ever worn the Sony 7506s? No. Life-changing. Life-changing. I'm stuck with AirPods. I'm telling you this. You wear these headphones, you'll never wear another set in your life. This is you would never these wear are the last. This is the last headphones. I I own AirPods. Okay. But what I mean is, like from a radio standpoint, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last headphones 
you'll ever purchase in your entire life. I mean, the 7506 is from Sony. It's the classical radio look. I mean, you have the good headphones, you have AirPods and radio show. I mean, I'm guilty of this. It doesn't look as great as when, say, a person's wearing big headphones like this, the Sony ones mm-hmm. on a radio show. Yeah, I know, I know. But you know, it's, it's funny. Like, I got used to different things. So I started wearing different equipment over the years, and I've gotten more comfortable with certain things. And, you know, but these headphones, they just, the sound quality out of the microphone, second to none. Second to none. It's perfect. Uh, how you doing? Great. How are you? Doing had a good right. birthday, all that. What's that? Had a good birthday. Well, you should. I mean, did you yeah. uh, get a chance to celebrate it in style? Did you do what? How'd you celebrate it? I mean, I had a tennis tournament all day and yeah. then went out to dinner. How'd you do in the tennis tournament? That day I was one and one. So won the first match, lost the second match, but it's all good. Okay. So did you win the, uh, were they both singles matches? Both singles. So you won your first, lost the second. Yeah, yeah. All right. I so I won the semifinal and then lost the final. I, I, I got you. Well, yeah. And it was cold last Saturday, wasn't it? Was, it was. It was. So that's, is it hard playing tennis when it's 30 degrees outside? I think adrenaline takes over, but first it hit a hard shot. Ooh, it feels, it hurts, that cold. Yeah. And then did you get a chance, have you, have you been watching a lot of Australian Open this week? Oh yeah, of course. How about you? Um, no, I haven't. I'll be <laughs> honest with you. I've been working. I'm trying to yeah. make a living here at this radio station. <laughs> so, we got the semifinal matches both tonight. How big is this now? What are we talking about here? So we have an American, Tommy Paul, going up against pretty much the GOAT, Novak Djokovic, Tommy Paul up against another American last week, kind of just a crazy match. Ben Sheldon versus Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul won that one. And they got Stefano Sitsipas going up against this big Russian guy, Karen Kachanov. That'll be a fun match. So, yeah, you got guys, Sitsipas, big uh, ground strokes, and then Kachanov, big serves. That'll be a fun match to watch. So, tell me about Tommy Paul. What do we know about him as an American? He went to Georgia, 25 years old. He beat okay. a guy, Ben Shelton, who was just out of college from Florida, kind of had a crazy ride to the quarterfinals. But, yeah, Tommy Paul in the semifinals right now, really great player. Consistent. I think that's his main part right now. So here's what I don't get, okay? And you have to, you have to, ref, you know, really educate me on tennis because I'm not, I don't follow it as much now as I did okay. 15, 20 years ago, okay? But in the old days, when you were a, an American phenom, you were turning pro as a teenager. And by the time you were 25, you were already a grizzled seasoned veteran. Here is somebody that went to Georgia, yep. which means he's probably only been playing pro for a couple of years. Um, is this now the new norm? Are we starting to find that the best American tennis players are coming out of college versus the teenage phenoms like we saw with Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras when they were coming straight out as, uh, as, as high school kids right into going pro? I still think the best players come right out of high school because those two Americans I just named, they're probably both top 10 Americans, but not like the top three. The top three Americans for men's right now all came out of high school. But yeah, Georgia, probably a top three country or team in the country right now for tennis, football, okay. every sport you'd say. So Georgia's on top. Georgia's on top for tennis right now. But yeah, yeah. Tommy Paul kind of came out of nowhere this tournament. wasn't really the highly talented American. There were other guys. Taylor Fritz, who came out of high school from California. He was pretty much top American. Francis Tiafo, another top American who came out of high school, but they got both knocked early. Okay, so so he's alive, but he's not the kind of player that you're going to see heading into the semifinals of the U.S. Open or, or Wimbledon, at least not yet. At least not yet, yeah, yeah, not yet. Who are the best American tennis players right now? You just mentioned them, right? Francis Tiafo, you saw his run in the U.S. Open this year, so mm-hmm. he's amazing. Taylor Fritz, he won Indian Wells, which is like probably the best tournament in America outside of the U.S. Open, not a Grand Slam, though. Still a really good tournament. So, yeah, those are probably top two Americans right now. You still have the big serves, Rally Opelka, John Isner. Maybe Isner might be the most famous right now. Cause I like I, Isner. I've heard yeah. of it. You know, Isner's been around a while, yeah. but Isner's just never been able to really break through and have the kind of success what's, like some of the other Americans. What's weird players. about Isner is that he's so tall. 
but not much out of that. His ground strokes aren't great. Say he doesn't win a point off a serve, you're probably going to be in that match. So that's the problem with Isner. Same with Opelka, kind of a seven-foot guy. I think he's the tallest player on the tour right now. So yeah, American tennis, hopefully he can do better. How do you have a seven-foot tennis player? It just I mean, happens. That, that doesn't, now, the interesting thing about seven feet tall is this. you got a crazy reach, right? So yeah. when you're seven feet tall, you're also very long, which means he probably covers the majority of the court. Yeah, but what happens is they get such a good first serve. You have the person on the heels, you go straight to net. Say they try to lob you, you're so tall, you can just get it. So that's probably the main part of these players. But when you're not serving, you're going to lose that game no matter what, it seems like. So in other words, the tall guys don't have the great ground strokes to match the overpowering serve. That's exactly how I would put it. How about women? How are we doing for American women tennis hopefuls right now? Every American woman is out right now. Uh, Number three, Jessica Pagula, who I talked to you about, the Bills owner. Coco Golf, kind of the phenom who turned pro when she was like 14. She's out right now. And then number one, number two in the world are also out right now, but they're not from the United States. So yeah, women's kind of weird right now. I think the highest seed left is number five seed, and then you got 20 seeds left. Do you think so. we're ever going to get another American female player that's like the Williams sisters, Serena or Venus, or you just don't see that happening? I think there's a lot of hope like that for Coco Golf, but she's kind of in that stage right now where she should be winning Grand Slams, but she's getting bounced early. How do we look at Serena's career? Do you call Serena the GOAT when it comes to female players? Because we know Martina Navratilova and what she was able to do for so many great years and, and on top of the world. Um, is Serena just in a class of her own based on what she's been able to do? I would say so. Kind of the fame that came with her for how long she was number one, for how many years, I'd say 15 plus years. Yeah. Same with her sister. I think it was just pure dominance. It was pure dominance, and we might never see anything like them again. Yep. It's interesting because, you know, you had Tiger Woods with golf, yep. the Williams sisters, uh, Kobe, everybody all kind of coming up around the same time in sports yeah. and just dominating their, their respective sports. I think this is the best generation of sports ever, but it's kind of coming to an end. You see Ronaldo, Messi, those guys are retiring soon. Federer's retiring. Nadal's retiring. Djokovic is retiring. Yep. Brady's retiring. LeBron has maybe five years left. So, yeah, kind of great sports era, maybe the best ever coming to an end. Where do you sit on the Nadal? versus Federer discussion as far as the greatest of all time? I think Federer's the greatest of all time. I think he's the most feared of all time. Nadal just went at the right times. Never Federer would get hurt. Nadal would just win no matter what. I think if you play, I think if Novak Djokovic played Federer both in their primes, Novak might win that, but Novak doesn't have the Grand Slams as uh, Federer and Nadal right now. Do you think that um, uh, Djokovic uh, ultimately is a guy that could finish his career as the greatest ever, or do you think that he'll never approach what uh, Roger Federer was able to do? I think he's very unlikable. Obviously, I mean, Mm -hmm. he had an interview the other night. He said, oh, yeah, I don't like my opponent at all. After he won, he won three sets. Easy money for him. But, um, yeah, obviously the vaccine issues with him. I think if he played these past three years, he's had issues. I mean, I remember the U.S. Open two years ago, he hit a ball, he hit a lines judge, and they had like a seizure on the court or something, so he had to be disqualified from the U.S. Open that year. Yeah, I think the antics off the court, don't want people to say he's the GOAT, but I think skill-wise he might just be the greatest. He hit a line judge who yep. then had a seizure on the court? 2020 U.S. Open. He had to just, uh, I think it was second round. He probably could have won that tournament. Adrian, do you remember that? No, I don't. I don't remember that one right there. Can you imagine yeah. hitting somebody with a with a tennis ball and all of a sudden they have a seizure and that's it and you're out? Yeah, I, I don't remember this one. I, I'm not a I'm not a huh. huge tennis guy, but I don't remember this <laughs> that's one. A, that's an interesting story yeah. to bring up. All right. So that's our tennis uh, conversation. Uh, when are you when are you back on the court? Again, back on the court. Hopefully tomorrow if the weather's good, but if not then Monday. 
When's your next tournament? We don't. I don't know yet. For individual, I think there's one coming up in February, but for our Coronado season, April. So we got a while. Oh, so the one you played this past weekend was like a special tournament. It was individual, CUSDA, trying to get my personal ranking up. Did you get it up any at all? Or, uh, a little bit. For singles, definitely. All right. That's good. Um, let's talk football. Let's it's, do it. It's champion. Big football weekend. It, it's a huge football weekend. Oh, yeah. it, it really is. I know you're upset because you wanted to see the Giants win. but well, I mean, I picked the Eagles. I don't care. And you made the right call. You went to watch the UTEP FAU game instead of the Giant game, <laughs> which turned out to actually be Even probably worse. a better— Well, worse because UTEP didn't win, but— Let's be honest, as tough as that game was to watch the Miners, it would have been worse watching the Giants just get drilled for four quarters. Oh, yeah, definitely. So what was the atmosphere like in the, uh, in the arena Saturday night? Give me, a, give me your take. You know, you go down 13 nothing to start the game. That's not a great way to start the game. That UTEP kind of comes back a little bit. They cut to six, and then go straight back up to 19. So the atmosphere kind of mixed emotions. What did FAU do to impress you as a fan? What did you, what did you take out of that, uh, that team the most? You know, their best player, Michael Forrest, didn't really do much earlier in the game, but then right when their UTEP was kind of creeping back in there, he would hit three. They would do a big shot. They are very versatile guys. They have a seven-foot center from Russia. So, yeah, they got some talent on that squad. Did they seem bigger to you than UTEP? Did they look like just a bigger team physically? I think just a better squad all around. FAU looked like they had more resources than UTEP. This thing, UTEP. Uniforms are cooler. I mean, I know that's not a factor right there, but just the size, the strength, the length, the shooting, all that. Nice shoes. Yeah. They had the awesome Miami they, Miami Heat jersey. The Vice kind of looked like that with FAU. Oh, did they really? They were wearing like a special like a special looking jersey for this game? They're Adidas. What is, is FAU Adidas or are they Nike? Adidas. Well, by the way, UTEP's going Adidas. I know. Hopefully so they even, can get You even said like that. that FAU had better looking jerseys. Maybe maybe Adidas is making a statement with this. But the Adidas logo still doesn't look good on those uniforms. If they had a Nike logo, that'd be perfect. Well, maybe maybe the problem is is that Nike's just not making the quality that Adidas is for college, and that's why you're getting schools like FAU jumping on board with Adidas and taking over. Okay, that's a good point right there. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, all right, let's talk uh, about the NFL this weekend. First off, how surprised are you? You went 3-1. and one. Yep. Your only loss over the weekend was? Only loss over the weekend was the Bills over the Bengals. And I picked the Bills like you. I thought that that was going to be yep. when the snow was falling. Didn't you think this is perfect Buffalo weather? I did, but then you also see Joe Burrow in those clean white uniforms. You see his Joe Mixon running. They're the much more hyped team, I'd say. Much more exciting team to watch than the Bills right now. And they were fun. I mean, they just they came in with a chip on their shoulder and made a statement, didn't they? You know, on my show, I put a thing out there. I said, the Bills, some of the season, they look like that awesome pizza type of dinner. But sometimes when they don't have a rug game, they kind of look like a chicken schnitzel, schnitzel type of dinner. Just very boring, very bland, very stale. So wait a minute now. We're going from pizza. That's what they to look like. Chicken schnitzel. That's now, let me, stale. Now that is a. Uh, stale that, I've never heard the chicken schnitzel uh, comparison before. That's Adrian, my least favorite. Have you ever heard no, that? No, but I like this. We we need to make this a, a mm. weekly uh, analogy right here. That is good. Now you say the pizza dinner was like the exciting dinner. What? Exciting. Josh okay. on to Stefan Diggs connection, but when you can't get that pizza dinner, you get the horrible run game. You get the bad defense. All it mixed in there. Now, uh, what is your pizza of choice? Because if the pizza dinner is the specialty dinner, what is your go-to pizza? Cheese pizza, no doubt. No pepperoni ever. So wait a minute. You're talking about bland, and you're telling me that your favorite pizza is cheese? It's that's awesome. Like the, it's but, fun. Yeah, it's but, that's, but that's the most plain pizza on the planet. But it's good. So it's it is solid. good. I'm, I'm with you, but I was expecting you know meat lovers or something Ugh. like that. No, it's just a simple cheese pizza. Yeah. All right. Where's the best cheese pizza in town? Best cheese pizza in town. Oh, Pizza Joy is a really good one. Okay. That's good. You ever go there in high school? You can drive there for lunch and have a slice and then come back. I don't even have my permit yet, Steve. Don't you have friends that drive? I mean, yeah, but uh, I don't know yet. 
So what do you do? You mostly just stick around high school? No, I mean, we go to Whole Foods, we go to Chipotle. I'd rather oh, go walk. Chipotle, the pizza joint. That's better. Yeah. Coronado's got a great selection. Yeah, definitely. I think Frank Clement have a better one. They have Orange Cow, Whataburger in that area. But yeah, Coronado's got a good selection. You got two grocery stores. It's nice. So when I was at Coronado in the they late 80s, no, well, they had, here's what I did, okay? We walked in and tell you what we did. This is the honest to God truth. And your mom can relate to this because she's a little younger than me, but she probably had the same experience, okay? We walked to Wiener Schnitzel, we walked to Taco Bell, we walked to Little Caesars Pizza. Um, those are the big three because there weren't a ton of places you could walk to. Remember, Little there was Caesars no. Little Caesars would be nice. There I wish was. Bernardo had that still. They don't have that anymore? Not near there, yeah. They, they got rid of that Little Caesars in that little shopping center? I think so. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a fun little place. And then when you got to drive, Andre's Pizza. Oh, yeah. And then you started to go out a little bit and started to realize there were there were other places that existed outside of the other little nucleus. Well, now you got Chick Fil A and that's packed every day and it's awesome. It is. I'm sure it's you packed. can't walk there. It's. I'm sure it's packed every day. I don't. When was? Hey, have you um, have you ever had the? Have you ever had Wiener Schnitzel? I know. I've been to Wiener Schnitzel, but I didn't eat there. Okay, that used to be really popular. People go to Wiener Schnitzel a little bit too far away from me. Not as good. Is Taco Bell still around over there? No. They got rid of that too. Yeah, there's Taco Bell. Adrian, what today. happened to all of our places back in the day? Where'd no, they go? They, I've never been around where they had Taco Bell. Like, it was, you know, it's, it's your time. Uh, oh, Blake's my God. Burger. You know, actually, so when we were at Franklin, we'd go to a lot of the places like Coronado. Like, we liked the Schlotsky spot and yeah. sometimes. You know, sometimes we'd we'd make a trip over and, and go to, like, that uh, shopping center out there where Whole Foods was. So, like, I, I like that okay. area a lot. Good stuff. There was no Whole, Fo- Whole Foods um, 30 no. years ago. There was not, We didn't even know what Whole Foods was, was there 30 years ago. There was an Albertsons, but Albertsons didn't serve food. You didn't like have a deli at Albertsons, got a lot of Albertsons in now, the uh, you know those years. Yeah, Whole Foods is better. You didn't do that. That's that's how things have changed. <laughs> I mean, the, most of those places were just it was a it was what it was. It was a supermarket thirty years ago, but now it's a restaurant. It's a little different now. They sell sushi. Things have things have changed. I understand. All right. Well, look. As much as I love talking food with you, we'll come back. We'll talk more sports. We'll talk about the games this weekend. We'll talk about uh, all the news in the uh, in the NFL as well oh, yeah, as we got a lot. baseball and basketball. And congratulations, the newest uh, podcast has dropped for Schoolyard Sports. What are we up to? One hundred eight. We're up to one hundred eight. We got the fan segment. We got the at the buzzer, which is the Bills rant. Like I said, chicken snitzel dinner, not so great. But then you get that pizza dinner with Stefan Diggs. That's awesome. But we're not going to go to food anymore. I got Squared Sports Game Day where I pick the games. So I'm not going to get my picks out right here. Top five. Did you know? Tune in. Out all, right now. All podcast platforms. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well. How are you going to do three hours when you just zoom through your sports podcast in like 20 seconds? How are you and Zay going to handle three hours here in a couple weeks? No, we'll be good. We'll be good. Because sure. the episode's 30 minutes long. That's true. Have you ever done a three-hour show? No. Okay. Are you excited? Are you pacing They're yourself? Very excited. I'm pacing can you, myself. Can you get out of school early for the, uh, the three-hour extravaganza? You know it. All right, I'm just, I'm just making sure you're so confident. All right, I'm having to pull strings with Zay to make sure he gets out of high school. And look at you. You're like, yeah, I'll get out at 2 o'clock if you want. More with Lane as Sports Talk continues. But first, let's go to Charlie Wan to get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk, Lane Frank with us. Lane will be um, taking over the show for us, along with UTEP Zay, uh, coming up on Tuesday, February the 7th, when Adrian and uh, I drive out to... Uh, Phoenix for uh, Super Bowl uh, Radio Row and our live broadcast uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that week. You're invited if you want to come up. By the way, the uh, we'll get we'll get you a day pass. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But I'm excited to host the show for sure. Oh, you should be excited to host the so show. So excited to host the show. You're not. You know what? You know who's as just as excited about you Sorry. hosting as you? 
uh, we are. We're I just, know. Adrian, that's all we've been talking about for like the last uh, couple of weeks is how cool it's going to be to have you and Zay host the show together. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I know. Maybe catch like national attention to uh, high school students host a local radio show. For I just hope they don't take us off the air after the show. <laughs> that's, that's my biggest fear. You guys going like, to call in from the, from the road? We might. We might. Well, fun. hopefully we're in Phoenix by then. I mean, yeah. it's possible that we could be at the Super Bowl um, in the, like, the convention center while you guys are on the air. So yeah. that would be that would be really cool. Are you planning a lot of guests that day? What are you going to do? I don't know. Maybe I'll have uh, people call in. Maybe we'll see some stuff. Trying to get some guests. Okay, let's that'll, figure it out. That'll you. Well, you mean you know you've got you've got all the connections. How many guests have you had on Schoolyard Sports over the last uh, couple of years? You know, I was thinking that not that many. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to go out chase a guest just to get a guest. I like to uh, have somebody who knows a little bit about sports, fun to talk with. So I'd probably say maybe ten. Okay. I, can, I can count. All right. Have you had any like really good ones, like reliable guests you really enjoy talking to? I've never had a recurring guest. I'll okay, say that. that's interesting. So like only one-offs. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I had a guy who John Middlecoff last year for college football. He kind of is on Fox Sports. Kind of does the volume uh, sports network. Tried mm-hmm. to have him on this year. Didn't work out. But yeah, he was a great guy to talk to. Okay. Well, listen uh, again. I had Kirk Cousins agent on. That was fun. Kirk Cousins' agent? Mike McCartney. He's also Aiden Hutchinson's agent. Well, that's nice. So that was a good one. You can get the Pump Brothers on your show. Oh, yeah. That would be a good one for sure. That would be good. I think our listeners would enjoy that. Definitely. So that could be a possibility. Lil Yachty could come back. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. dropped an album or dropping one this week, Yeah, right? dropping one soon. So that could be a virtual interview this time, not in person. That was a little bit crazy, the in-person one. Lil Yachty? That was a fun in-person interview. Yeah, I believe it. I don't know. Maybe Aaron Jones is going to be in town. He'll stop by the show. Yeah, at Aaron Jones, but that was virtual. That was fun. You can you know pull some pull some strings, see what happens, right? Definitely. That'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. So that's going to be Tuesday, uh, February the seventh, from four to seven. Excited. Sports talk. We're excited with uh, with Lane and and Zay, and that's going to be happening here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right. First off, um, no surprises with the Eagles no. and the 49ers, correct? Yeah. You know, 49ers dominated the Cowboys. I know it was a close game, but defense dominated, even clutch situations. And I kind of blame this a little bit on Mike McCarthy because in that drive right then to the second quarter when Dak threw an interception, they got a field goal at the last second 49ers. They could, get, they could have kicked the field goal with Maher on fourth down. They could have. That's what I it wanted Ma- to see. It was Maher range. Yep. But they got went for it, got it. But then they, a few plays later, interception. So you kick that field goal, get those three points. 49ers don't get their three points. What happens? Well, you forget about one thing that also happened on that series that after the first down that you didn't bring up. Tony Pollard gets hurt. Exactly. He breaks his okay. fibula so on that, a run. That's definitely a good topic. That could be, I don't think that's thing a lot enough people are talking about right now. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and by the way, um, you know, the, how big is it that the Cowboys got Dan Quinn to stay after uh, hearing that he was going to turn down those head coaching opportunities? Nah, that's big. I'm interested to you, though, what they do with Kellen Moore. If they fire him, if they keep him. What would you do if you were Jerry Jones? How would you handle Kellen Moore right now? I don't know why Kellen Moore has never left. He got a few offers for college. He got Boise State. That's his alum. Went to Boise State. Was a great quarterback there. I don't know why he didn't take the head coaching job there. I think his time might be up with the Cowboys. Do you think that did they offer Kellen Moore the head coaching job at Boise and he turned it down? Yep, two years ago. Interesting. And he got interviewed for the Dolphins last year for head coach. Yeah, Kellen Moore's been around a little bit. And he's and then now we find out by the way the Panthers chose Frank, Frank Reich. Reich as their new head coach. Is that a mistake? I don't want to say a mistake. I just think maybe they should have gone younger direction because Frank Reich, really risky head coach. I don't think he deserved to get so fired earlier into the season with the Col- with the Colts because they already had wins over the Chiefs, a few other teams. So I didn't think that was right to Frank Reich right there. But, yeah, it'll be interesting. Why was Frank Reich a risky uh, – why is that a risky uh, head coaching hire? Tell me. Because he didn't accomplish so much with the Indianapolis Colts. Did he have a playoff one? I think he had one with Andrew Luck. I might have had one, yeah. Quarterback – 
situation that really got figured out with Frank Reich. I think that's the main issue right there. Remember who Frank Reich backed up when he was playing in the NFL? I know this. Good. Let me hear. He was with the Bills. Right. He backed up a guy. Jim to, Kelly. There you go. Good job. Yes, he backed up Led Jim the biggest Kelly. comeback in NFL history. Yeah, that's right. And in college football at one time also in a bowl game. Nathaniel Hackett was hired today as the New York Jets offensive coordinator. Does that mean Aaron Rodgers will be on his way to the Big Apple to reunite with Hackett uh, coming up in 2023? I know you want your Tom Brady Jets jersey. How do you feel about Rodgers? Fine. Happy Fine. with it. Okay. That'd be interesting yep. right there because I don't think Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett have this all-world type of relationship. Well, I don't think Aaron Rodgers has a relationship like that with anybody, all right? You know, okay. he's a little weird. He's, yeah, he's so a little bit weird. let's be honest. I don't think he's <laughs> got that kind of—I don't think he's got that ooey-gooey feeling with any coach yeah, out there. Not. But you tell me. I mean, what do you think about the possibility he can go to New York? Well, I don't think Brady's going anymore. Why would you want Nathaniel Hackett as your offensive coordinator for Tom Brady trying to enter your last season? Why do you want Robert Sala, defense coach, as your head coach? I think for Aaron Rodgers, though, that's a good option. Nathaniel Hackett obviously was decent enough as a quarterback coach for the Packers. Never made the Super Bowl, never won the Super Bowl, never won a conference championship game, any of that stuff. But he still won divisional rounds. Didn't have any success with the Broncos this season. So no, it was be- one of the worst seasons ever with Nathaniel Hackett. Look what happened to Russell Wilson this year. It could be a genius move or a disaster. No in between. Well, let's be honest. The Jets are normally a disaster. A disaster, yeah. So there's really not much to lose if you're a Jets fan. What about bringing back Rex Ryan? Who? Rex Ryan. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> a little bit of PTSD right there. That would be, yeah, that would be really interesting. Um, I don't even know. What, what is Rex up to these days besides being on ESPN? I think that's it, ESPN. Yeah. I, I checks. Yeah, I'm sure he is. He's, he's made for television. He really is. So I'd be fine with Aaron Rodgers as a Jet I'm wondering if Aaron Rodgers wants to become a Jet. That's the bigger question. Would he want to go to New York and play in the Apple? I don't know if he cares about football anymore. I think he's just going to go to Vegas. Be a Devontae Adams, go gamble, whatever he wants to do. So that's it, huh? Going to Vegas. Go to Vegas. What about uh, Tom Brady? He might want to go to Vegas. Retired. Retired. Really? Retired. I saw a thing on social media the other day. He was looking at schools in Miami. Now it's a little bit interesting. I don't think he's going to the Dolphins, so I think he's just retiring in Miami. I don't know. Maybe Tom Brady a couple of years ago wanted to go to the Dolphins before he before he settled on Tampa. I don't think that was a possibility. I don't think he wants to be with this maybe kind of a fool head coach, Mike McDaniel. Now look, Tom Brady has nothing to do in his life now. Okay, the reason he's divorced is because he wanted to keep playing football. So you're telling me that after getting uh, you know uh, divorcing Giselle. Going back and playing in a disappointing season with Tampa, he's suddenly going to retire now that there is no female in his life? I mean, he has that 10-year, $375 million deal with Fox. Fox he does. needs a new broadcasting crew. Greg Olson, the other guy they're not cutting it right now is the main crew. So that could be interesting. Do you think Tom Brady is ready to start getting into a broadcast career, though? Do you think he still wants to play? Maybe reunite with Gronk? Maybe he still wants to play. Gronk's done. Gronk is out of football. How forever, do we know Gronk is done? That's he, the kind of guy that can come back and bored. play whenever he wants. I think he's... I think it was just kind of a fun thing to do, and then he realized, oh, my body's getting too beat up again. I'm out. So you, so you don't see Gronk coming back? Don't see Gronk coming back. He did Brady a favor. He got two touchdowns for him in the Super Bowl. Now he's done. Bottom of the hour as we continue with Lane. More in a moment. First, here he is, Adrian Broaddus in Center. And thank you very much. Lane Frank, the host of Schoolyard Sports, the podcast, the weekly podcast. just dropped 108 today. He joins us for our weekly chat here on Sports Talk. He'll be hosting the show in a couple of weeks. Excited about that. Uh, championship week. Let's talk about it. First off, the early game. Okay. Eagles and 49ers. Uh, there it is. 
Adrian is giving you the the music. The hype music. The hype music. It. That's right. So, it uh, reminds me of Chris Berman. NFL Great. draft style. Primetime. Talking about prospect. You ever, awesome. watch, you ever watch primetime? Sunday primetime, you know, for years that was great. Um, Chris Berman, yep, the best NFL analyst of all time. Tom say. Jackson, fun times. That's all right, my time. Yeah, sorry, I'm dating you again. <laughs> How long is it since Tom Jackson's been on primetime? He, they did a redo, like they did one. Uh, they had him back for like a kind of like a reunion type oh, okay. of thing. Yes, all right. So that not too long ago, it was like an ESPN Plus exclusive. Oh, that's fun. All right, so let's talk about the uh, first game. All right. Philly and San Francisco, how low scoring of a game is this going to be? I don't know if it's going to be low scoring. I think if the Eagles can contain Brock Purdy, which they probably do, but then you have to mix in Christian McCaffrey, then there's Debo Samuel, then there's Brandon Nayuk. It's too many offensive pieces for the Eagles to handle on defense. And then for the 49ers, A.J. Brown can easily be shut down. Devontae Smith can be shut down. We've seen A.J. Brown get shut down, even a blowout win against the New York Giants. Yep. Jalen Hurts, that's the biggest factor right here. I think Eagles' defensive line, that could be a big factor. If you can sack Brock Purdy, not let him get in the hands of his playmakers, that can be interesting. Stop Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. You win this game. I don't think that happens. Let's go 49ers. You did Special not, teams will be key. You did not mention Miles Sanders in this equation on the Philadelphia offensive side it's of the ball. It's too good of a 49ers defense. Too is good of a 49ers is it the best, is, it, is it the best defense that anybody's going to see this year? I think so. I think the biggest factor in this game is how are Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts going to do against his top defenses. I know. Meanwhile, do you realize that if the 49ers beat the Eagles in Philly? A Super Bowl. Not only are they in the Super Bowl, is anybody stopping Brock Purdy? I think Chiefs maybe can. They have no defense. It's interesting, though, because they still have playmakers. They but still they have, have no Jones. defense. It could be defense player of the year, sir, Chris but, Jones. But San Francisco has a defense, and, and Kansas City doesn't. And if they can get past Philadelphia's defense then I don't know if there's anybody that could stop them, including Cincinnati or Kansas City. All right, say this. Brock Purdy gets in horrible field positions. Then he gets stopped. Say you start each drive in the five-yard line. That's how you can win the game. I don't know. That game plan is beautiful because they design it to play to Purdy's strength, she not could. to his weaknesses. He's so good. Kyle Shanahan. He is. Genius. Genius. There we go. I both agree. So you're picking 49er upset. 49er upset. Over Philadelphia. I mean, I wouldn't call it an upset. I would. You I see, think they see might what be the best team in the NFL. See what the Eagles just did to the Giants this weekend? Yes, but also, 49ers, still a very, very good squad. They are lost in weeks, months. They're playing with a seventh-round rookie as a quarterback. Does that matter? He's not been playing like a seventh-round rookie. He's been playing better than Zach Wilson, number two overall pick. He's been You're play- playing better than Zach Wilson. He's been playing better than Justin Herbert, number six overall pick. Tua, when he was playing, playing better than Tua. You could say Trevor Lawrence. Been playing better than Trevor Lawrence. Brock Purdy's been balling as of late. What is the key with Brock Purdy when you watch him play? What impresses you the most? Kyle Shanahan's system. The way for him to elude, escape, improvise. Because different play styles coming in there. I think anybody could do well on that offense. I would love to see Lamar Jackson in that offense. I really thought that if Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do much, Trey Lance didn't do much, Brock Purdy wasn't even in the equation at this time that Lamar Jackson... Free agent this summer would be perfect in that offense. But yeah, Brock Purdy still a very good quarterback. They play to his strengths. By the way, speaking of Lamar Jackson, he's going to stay in in Baltimore, isn't he? I don't he? know. I don't know. I don't think he leaves. Okay, here's your choice. Aaron Rodgers jersey, Lamar Jackson jersey, Tom Brady jersey for the New York Jets. Uh, ooh, that's a tough call. I said Lamar. I don't know. Lamar's always hurt. Did you want Deshaun jersey when Deshaun was almost going to the Jets? Uh, No. No, I had a problem with him. Off-the-field issues. Before the off-the-field issues. He's a mess. Before that. 
You know what he could have done with all the massage parlors in New York City? You realize that? It would have been a disaster. Yeah, a definitely. total disaster. It could have been. I think he's off those issues now. I th- I hope he is. I hope so. All right, all so right, new topic. you're picking San Francisco. San Francisco. Who are they going to play in the Super Bowl? They're going to play the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to know why? I do want to know why. Tell me. That's why, that's why you're on the show. Why? The main thing that we're going to see this weekend is who coaches better. Andy Reid is going to outcoach Zach Taylor. Kyle Shanahan is going to outcoach Nick Sirianni. Kyle Shanahan's been in this situation before. Andy Reid's been in this situation before. Same as Zach Taylor. But you don't beat a team this many times. You don't go into Arrowhead and call it Burrowhead like they've been doing. They have been. I think the Chiefs won this one. Run the ball well enough with Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon. Mahomes, they don't need to be fully healthy. Travis Kelsey going to be key in this one. I think it's going to be a close game, definitely. Maybe even overtime again. By the Chiefs. Let's go. Weather is going to be a factor. It's going to be in the 20s, and it's going to be Doesn't chilly. Doesn't matter these teams. They're no, used to it. it. They are used to it, but you also wonder, though, it's going to be a very... Uh, you know, very cold game. Will that affect the passing game? I don't think it's going to affect the passing game. Maybe the running game actually slips, stuff like that. Okay. And you're thinking a close game, but when it's all said and done, Kansas City, San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Kansas City, San Francisco yet again. What year is that? Super Bowl uh, 54 when they had it? Out a few, of Miami? Yeah, a few years back. Yeah, that was a really good Super Bowl, even though, I mean, four had a chance, and then Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows Emmanuel Sanders. Chiefs get a touchdown. Uh, Damian Williams next drive. That kind of daggered it right there. That was a good Super Bowl. I want to see how it's done this time. Will Andy Reid outcoach Kyle Shanahan again? Will Kyle Shanahan be ready for that power? They got demolished by them earlier in the season. Brock Purdy only played one series that game through an interception in the red zone, so it'll be fun. If Zach Taylor is able to do it and beat the 49ers. Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm sorry, beat the 49ers. And beat, the, uh, beat, beat uh, Kansas City. Yes, that's what you're going to say. Is Joe Burrow. By the way, then it really is uh, Burrowhead because he will be officially owning uh, Patrick Mahomes being 4-0. He owns everything in the NFL. Two Super Bowls, two years. Patrick Mahomes has been to the Super Bowl twice now. Joe Burrow has been to the Super Bowl twice, and he owns Patrick Mahomes if he wins this weekend. So, yeah, Burrow, best quarterback in the NFL if he wins this weekend. Okay. Will you have an Uber Eats delivery during the show in a couple of weeks the way they did at Duquesne last night? Oh, that was awesome with Duquesne last night. I mean, how does the delivery driver not have enough common sense to know, wait, why do I walk onto the court? I think it was a prank. I do you really? Think was, I think it, that doesn't just happen where you're that, you don't have that much common sense where you're an Uber Eats driver, where you walk onto a court, where you see something live is going on, you know what basketball is. Yep. Not Adrian, again. let's analyze this for a second. If people don't know what happened during the game last night, yeah. an Uber Eats driver went right onto the court and interrupted a live college basketball game for a an Uber Eats delivery. Yeah, I love this story yesterday, especially all the videos. I love the reaction on ESPN. They did a great job on the broadcast. The, the bummer, and Zay and I were just talking about it, is the fact that it was fake. The fact that it was all a TikTok thing. The fact that it was like a student who uh, picked it up himself and he goes on the court and, you know, and, and all the students are like filming him and all this stuff. The person who was closest to him, like the camera guy who was closest to him, could tell it was all fake. He was like laughing afterward and went into the student sections and ate that McDonald's with no repercussions. So funny to watch, though. So funny to watch. The ref's like, then you even got the commentary. It's like, oh, it's the ref. It's the ref. He's telling him to wait. Yeah, that, that was probably the funniest thing we've seen in a while in college basketball. Have you ever heard the story about the burrito guy at UTEP Games? Maybe. Tell it. So Burrito Man used to be this guy wearing a cape and, okay, um, I remember. and, and a mask. Young. And he would start running around during timeouts delivering burritos 
to the uh, crowd at the Don Haskins Center. And if you were one of the lucky ones, I remember you got to eat a cold burrito from Burrito Man. <laughs> I was very little, but yeah, I thoroughly remember that. And they did stuff like that at Chihuahua's games. I mean, I know you got the guy giving up the case whenever there's a strikeout. That's fun. But yeah, you need yeah. more fan experience at Chihuahua's games, UTEP games. I mean, at New Mexico, they've got like a crazy fan face tattoos. who's like the most passionate fan in college basketball. Some guys got face tattoos. Are they real or are they phony? I think they're real. Really? He's the most, I mean, it's the pit. What do you expect? That's true. Have you ever been to the pit to watch a game? I've never been to the pit. It's nuts over there. I bet. Adrian, you've been to the pit, Especially haven't you? I have. How good I they love are. it. It's how do incredible. you describe? How do you describe? The pit? Um, it's unreal. It's like uh, it's like you're watching a game at the highest stages of any college basketball game. That's how I would say it's like professionalism. Plus, you're like you feel like you you're right there with the court. Um, the environment is insane. Fans mm. are great. By the way, there is a safety review that's going on at Duke right now after the uber prank last night so there is a safety review uh being underway so how do you think UTEP would have done against new mexico this year because they play them it seems like every year but they didn't do them this year so how do you think they would have played um like you've seen in a lot of games play them tough but probably come up short because they just, don't have a, they, they just don't have enough offense i'd say like the fau game utep doesn't have a one primary score say they had sule boom in the squad this is the best squad in Carmen usa i would agree with that i was talking to Andrew people about we were talking about Sule yesterday after watching him get the better end of Tristan Newton out there at, uh, at UConn. We thought, you know what? If they just had this surrounding cast, supporting cast, with Sule dropping 20 to 25 a game, UTEP would be right now at the top of Conference USA, uh, along with FAU. It would be a fun story. Definitely. So, all right. But Sule's famous now for all of it. It's awesome. He's doing great. Definitely. He is. He's doing absolutely great. Happy How about- birthday, Sule Boom. That's what, today's his birthday. Oh, yeah. He how, about, game um, last night. how about Tyron Smith going to Texas A&M? He went to Texas A&M. A&M. I know. Yeah, that's going to be stacked wide receiver room. I mean, let's see how he fights his way through there. you got Evan Stewart. you got a bunch of recruits. I'm going to just see how he does. I'm interested to see as well. He was the best receiver at UTEP this year. I mean, UTEP could have kept him, Jacob Cowan. That could have been a really good football team. But You, um, you, you could have dreamed on that. Uh, that dream on. I agree. But UTEP football is different than UTEP basketball. I think I'd rather have UTEP basketball because of UTEP football because UTEP basketball, it's NCAA basketball. You can do whatever. You can be a group of five team and be number one in the country. Football, not so much. That's true. And you can win a national championship as a, a group of five school in college basketball exactly. as a mid-major where it's so much tougher when you're uh, when, you, when you're a power five for football. What's great about college basketball is that UTEP can be a bottom five team in Conference USA and still have a chance in the national championship. You win Conference USA, win the NCAA tournament. All right, listen. As always, the hour has flown by. Definitely. It is great to see you. Thank you. Are you going to come back and see us next week before uh, your first uh, hosting appearance on oh, yeah. Tuesday? You know, I'm excited for that appearance, though. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to Very that fun. as well. Appreciate you being here. Thank uh, you. Every time, by the way, that uh, Lane Frank is here in our 600 ESPN El Paso studios, it's brought to you by River Oaks Properties. Um, if you have a business and you are looking right now for a place for high traffic, high volume sales, River Oaks Properties has locations all over El Paso, some of the most trafficked locations anywhere in the city. So just go online and uh, go visit uh, River Oaks Properties and uh, give them a call. And who knows, uh, you could very well be their next success story, just like this guy across uh, the glass from me, uh, Lane Frank. We'll see you next week. Thanks for the time, Lane. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Adrian.